flames are pouring from the buildings now. There's cars toppled, buildings entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Shrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the Iridologist Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. Uh, How you doing, buddy? What, what is what's an Iridologist? I don't I don't want to bother to look it up. What's an Iridologist? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is a alternative medicine technique whose proponents claim that patterns and colors and other things have to do with eyes. There we go. Oh, that's very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fire and Water Podcast. Uh, we are excited to be here. We're going to be a little bit of an offbeat episode. We're going to talk about a couple of different things um, that we think are fun, and then we're going to do a massive, massive dose of listener feedback because if this is your first time listening, you need to know that this podcast has the single greatest podcast listening community of any podcast on the net. That is true. I mean, that's, there's no hyperbole there. I'm serious. The listeners of this show are the best, not because they listen to our show, because they're just so involved and they're talking about the characters, they're telling us where we're wrong, they're having fun, they're getting to know each other, they write freaking songs. I mean, these dudes are amazing. And, 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 when, we and, ran, and when we ran the, uh, the Kickstarter campaign to make the uh, Fire and Water podcast movie, we raised over $5 million. In a week, baby. You should have seen the stretch goals. It was <laughs> amazing. It was amazing. So, <laughs> Well, Rob, what's been going on with you? Uh, well, you three, I didn't know you were going to ask me that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you went to a convention. You really don't. Uh, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> why are we talking? Do I have to lead, you, have to lead you by the shoulder why here? Why are we talking about this? Who cares? Why are we going to this? We're going, straight into the, we're going straight into the fun? Yes. What, who, who, nobody gives a shit about my trip to the Asbury Park Comic Con. 
You just cursed, too. Nobody, nobody cares. I mean, it's like, yeah, we had a lot of fun. It's a great convention, but no one cares. I'm sorry. Uh, I will, uh, I guess since related to that, we were there. Me and my partner, Dan O'Connor, were there with for uh, Ace Killery, of course. And in the last like week or so, a couple of um, uh, very, very uh, uh, generous um, Fire and Water podcast listeners bought copies of Ace Killery online, which you can now, Frank. Um, and, uh, luckily it's Mike Bailey b- bought one and Sean Corey bought one and J. David Weeder bought one. And so far we've gotten positive reviews. So thanks a lot, guys. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. That's fantastic. Now, if you don't know about Ace Kilroy, go to acekilroy.com. Quit wasting your time listening to this nonsense and go check that out. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, if we're going to plug things, what the hell, let's get into the, um, <laughs> you brought it up, Jack. Um, I am working on a, some of you have been, that I'm uh, Facebook friends with know this already, but in case you don't, I'm working on a book. Uh, the book is called Hey Kids Comics, True Life Tales from the Spinner Rack. And it is going to be, first it's going to be an ebook. It's uh, ideally going to come out later in the summer and then a print version to follow later on. It is basically a collection of essays, true life essays from different um, comics pros and authors, and journalists and uh, bloggers and other people talking about um, some moment in their life where comic books were significant uh, in some way. So some of the stories are really funny. Some are kind of sad. Some are, you know, obviously very nostalgic. Some are sort of trips through people's childhoods of, of their youth, their neighborhoods of their youth. So um, I've got a, we've got a, a neat collection of, of people. Some of the people that gave us stories include um, J.M. DeMatteis, uh, Paul Kupperberg, um, Erica Peterman from Girls Gone Geek, um, Alan Brenner, the novelist, Alan Brenner. Um, a bunch of, I'm blanking on a whole bunch of names. We have a couple of dozen stories, and I'm putting the, together the book right now. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, even if you like don't necessarily know who these people are, the stories are really, really compelling. So uh, I'm going to plug it much more heavily as we get closer to the release date, because I really think everyone will enjoy it. I really genuinely believe it's going to make a great book. So um, as we get closer, I'll be talking more about it. I can't wait for it. I'm looking forward to it. You and I have been chatting about it for a long time. So uh, yeah, it's been in the works a very, very long time. I've, I've tried to get it through publishers, and I ran into a lot of brick walls there because basically a lot of publishers said, you know, like, what is this? I don't understand. Like, nobody wants to read this. And it's like, no, I don't believe that that's true. And I think that when the book comes out and people enjoy it, we will see that uh, that I was right because I think it's going to make a really, really interesting book. And if you want to learn more about it, you can go to the Facebook page, Hey, hey Kids Comics. Uh, it's on Facebook and on Twitter. I consider myself like a, a distant uncle to that book because I feel like I helped give you the kick in the ass at one point to get, re-ener- get re-energized on it. You absolutely did. It laid dormant for a while because you can, you can only take rejection for so long <laughs> before you start getting very like, oh, God. Um, but, yeah, you, you mentioned it, and I was like, hey, you know what? I, I can do this. Why not just, you know, because it was after you had said that to me. It was after I had created Ace Kilroy. And I, mm. and I saw that I could get Ace Killer up and running on my own, and I didn't, didn't need anybody else to help me, really. And I was like, well, I can just do this. So that's kind of what's happening. So it's, like I said, I'm going to publish it all on my own. And I said I'm working on the ebook version for later in the summer, and then hopefully a print one, uh, ideally Christmas. We will see. That would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. Well, I went to a comic book convention myself today uh, here in my hometown. And it's a small little thing. It wasn't that big. It's its first year. It's called AltCon. And uh, I didn't really expect much. I expected, like, I don't know, like three guys with tables going, you want some X-Men from the 90s, you know, or something. But uh, it was great. I mean, there were costume contests. 
Uh, I saw an Aquaman there. Took a picture of you. Took a picture for you, Rob. Uh, there was a lot of ton of Doctor Who cosplay. Tons. I mean, you're tripping over girls in bow ties. I just couldn't. You know, there's too many of them. And uh, I brought my 13 year old. He had a blast. We saw a lot of neat little stuff. Saw ran into a bunch of people we know, and uh, it was a good time. So that was kind of fun. I didn't. I never expected. I live in a fairly small town, so you don't expect that kind of thing here. It's like someone hit like a uh, Dragon Con with Hank Pym shrink ray. <laughs> It's kind of like what it was like, so it was fun. So I enjoy that. Speaking of uh, Hank Pym, did you see that test footage that Edgar Wright has of for Ant Man the movie? No, yes. do tell. There's there's test footage that leaked out. He showed it at a convention or something, and then yeah. of course somebody recorded it on their camera and posted it on the web, and then you know and then every, all of a sudden everybody posted it on their site, and uh, Marvel was taking it down left and right. It was like they're playing whack a mole with it, you know, like every every <laughs> every. Every site that you know, that had it, they were like, "No, take it down, take it down." But um, anyway, it's just test footage. But boy, did it look cool! I mean, I love Edgar Wright. I'm a huge fan of his movies and his TV show Spaced. I think this stuff is just fantastic. Um, Wait, say it again. What was his TV show? It was a TV show called Spaced. Uh, he wrote. Is it, it the, the the British show? The British show, yeah. With uh, Simon Pegg. Yes, that's him. I love that show. Yes, that's Edgar Wright. That's their that was their first project together. Okay. Um, and then they moved on to do Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and they got a new movie coming out this this year called uh, At World's End, I believe. But anyway, now, yes. Is this guy also like his? Is he the guy that always plays his best friend in all this? No, that... that's Nick Frost. Oh, that's right. Of course, yes, that yeah. is Nick Frost. Edgar, Edgar Wright is the writer director of all Just these behind projects. the scenes. Yeah. yeah okay. And uh, anyway, the test footage showed these two guards like in a, in a, in a hallway, like little Secret Service looking guys, and you see down at the end of the hall is Ant Man running towards them, but he's tiny. So it looks very comical because he's like this little tiny guy running down this giant hallway. And then he, just as he gets to the to the guys, he grows to normal size, mm-hmm. punches them, and then reduces – or something that reduces himself back down, runs along the barrel of the gun, up their guns, punches them again, knocks them out. It jumps into an elevator, and he – I was like, wow, he made Ant-Man look badass. That's I, awesome. I like, I, I'm like, there's nothing this guy can't do. You know, so I am just super, super jazzed for Ant-Man. I think it's not until 2015, I think. Oh, dear Lord. But I am really excited for it. I think it's like he's the probably the perfect guy because he can do action but do laughs. And if you're doing an Ant-Man movie, you got to have laughs. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, uh, but he made it look really cool. So uh, it's it's hard to find the footage out there, but if you find it, I, I'd say it's it's well worth hunting it down for like the 30 seconds you do get to see because it's, it's really funny stuff. You do realize it's going to be really hard to finish this podcast now without going to look for that Sorry. stuff. Sorry. I love me some Ant-Man. For some reason, I dig the shrinking characters. Ant-Man and Adam both. I dig them both. So. Well, there's rumors that uh, Edgar Wright directed the post-credits sequence in Iron Man 3. Um, oh, really? It's coming out. And you got to think, well, if he directed it, maybe that's a nod towards Ant-Man in, in, in Iron yeah. Man. So. Speaking of which, just to, just to acknowledge that, I mean, you know my name's The Irredeemable Shag. Uh, that did come about after the Irredeemable Ant-Man series, so I'm just saying. Oh, I forgot that. I forgot that that yeah. was a book. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that's where that's that helped inspire the name. So, um, one quick thing, I've been I've been thinking a lot about uh, Trinity War lately. <laughs> yes. It's the upcoming DC crossover. I'm so what? excited. You're so full of crap. Uh, <laughs> I actually am, and you know what did it for me? Uh, well, there's the new promotional art wait, that's out. Wait, by, wait, how what? am I full of crap? Oh, are you being serious? No, I'm being totally sarcastic. Right, that's why I said you're full of crap. Right, but I'm being you sarcastic, said, so that, never mind. 
We said, I'm so excited. Right. So you're sarcastically right. full of crap. Oh, I see. I, All right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so the, the, they released the image by, you know, Ivan Reese and Joe Prado and Rod Reese, the law firm of Reese, Prado and Reese. And it looks great. It really does. It sure. looks great. And what clicked for me, why I got excited is because, you know what? This crossover is a big deal. It's a big crossover. And I started thinking about when I was younger and I, you know, I was excited about, um, you know, Legends. I was excited about Invasion. I was unfortunately excited about Millennium. You know, all those things. And this book, this Trinity War, is going to be somebody's first big DC crossover. Somebody that started with a new 52, this is going to be their big first crossover. Mm. And you know what? They're probably going to love it. And that just, it, it made me see this whole thing in a completely different light. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. It's three Justice League books. It's done in two months. I don't have to buy any, any ancillary books. Oh, there is I, didn't, no, I didn't know that it was only two months. I think it is. I think they're kind of doing it like War, uh, Throne of Atlantis was. Okay. You know, it's across the three Justice League books, all of which I get anyway. There is no, as far as I know, there is no Trinity War number one. You know, there's, they're, they're doing something with Phantom Stranger that you don't, you know, I can kind of ignore or whatever. But, there's no, you know, it's basically just in the three Justice League books. I'm like, all right, you know what? If it's, if it's as good as War as Throne of Atlantis was... And I don't have to buy a bunch of ancillary crap. Mm. And, you know, I freaking like all the characters, you know. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Okay. There's this great shot in the promo shot. They got Firestorm battling Stargirl. Yes, I saw that on, uh, on Firestorm Fan. Oh, you, you, you visit my site. Well, I didn't that, that's know. yours? That's awesome. I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, keep reaching for the stars. That's fantastic. Thanks, bro. See, I'm glad you mentioned Reaching for the Stars because I was thinking Firestorm and Stargirl, get that, see, see that segue? It's also a little dirty. Anyway, would make a good couple, being that they're both teenage superheroes on their respective teams. You know, there'd be some nice drama between does she like Ronnie or does she like Jason, you know, sort of thing. And uh, it kind of harkens back to the old JLA, JSA crossovers when Firestorm and Power Girl were kind of hooking up. That's true. I, I, always, be... I always liked that bit, bit, those bits. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And the whole reason they hooked up was because they were the two youngest members on the team. So, I'm just saying, it worked pretty good. Stargirl's pretty cute. So. All right. Now, okay, I'm going to, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to, to do something here for me. Uh, I, I normally edit the show fairly heavily. Uh, <laughs> and what I do is I take out all of Shag's sews. When, when Shag has run out of things to say, which doesn't happen enough, he ends it with so. And to me, it just brings the energy of the so show down. But I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to leave him in. So I want you to count the so's by the time we get to the end of this episode. Okay? Uh, I, I, in fact, I'm going to suggest you take a drink every time Frag, sh- Shag says. Frag? Every time sa- Shag says. <laughs> so. Frag, yeah, uh, amalgam version of me and Frank? Yes. Every time he goes, so, I want you to take a drink, and I want to see how hammered all of you get. At the end of this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast. I would just like to point out my pre... And this one doesn't count. This is not a freebie. My previous so was because it was like a leave that to your imagination so. Right. Okay. I'm not talking about those because that's a word in the English language and you can use it. But you use it as a crutch. And, uh, we're, saying, and we're saying from this point forward, this right? This point forward. And, right. and I know I'm, by, by saying it, I'm going to make you self-conscious and you're probably going to consciously not do it. But just we we've, we've been recording for like ten minutes and I've heard like thirty of them already and I'm like good lord I have to edit thirty shows out and I'm like no I'm not doing it 
I'm not so full of crap. I'm not, I've not said it like 30 times. You, oh my God, I'm leaving this in. Everybody, okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. We're, we're at 14 minutes. I want everyone to count how many shows you heard in the previous 14 minutes. And I'm leave that as a comment on AquamanTrine.com or Firestorm Fandom. Yeah, I'm going to edit that comment. Anyway, you are going to do nothing of the kind. I have the original tape, so good no, luck. No, I'm saying, anyone puts on a Firestorm fan, that comment's going to Oh, edited. I see what you said. Anyway. <laughs> then leave it on AquamanTrying.com. I know it's a giant pain in the ass, Frank, but make a little effort. Yeah, have fun with this captive uh, comment, uh, whatever those things Capacha. are called. Yeah, those things are a yeah. So I feel bad because, like, some stranger has stumbled onto this podcast because they saw the word hostess ads, you know, in the subject line. They're like, oh, I can't wait to hear about that. <laughs> and then they have to listen to 14 minutes of us knuckleheads just rambling on. Get to the pies already. Exactly. Get to the fruit pies, damn it. Speaking of which, let's talk about some fruit pies. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, this episode, as Shag mentioned, it's going to be kind of a potpourri of stuff. And for once, we're not conjoining the Aquaman and Firestorm segments. Shag's going to be talking about something completely different in Firestorm that I'm going to be talking about with Aquaman. Oh, no, no. I'm going to talk about the Firestorm post ads also. What? Go ahead. I'll get to it when it's my All turn. Right. All right. Oh, God. Um, anyway... I was going to talk about the Aquaman hostess ads because... Folks, I'd like you at home to count the number of times Rob gets exasperated with me. Because he, he, I'm sure he edits those out, too. So... Ah, there you, there you go. Thank you. That was one. Did I really say one? Yes! <laughs> See, you don't even know you're saying it. You just did it. Oh, my God. Oh, this is... <laughs> These comments are going to be great because they're all going to be drunken, you know, like <laughs> I took fifty-two drinks. Fifty-two drinks. We are not responsible for anyone's alcohol poisoning. Yeah, please don't way. drive. After yeah, this. don't drive. Don't. Yeah, don't go. Yeah, don't do anything. Don't talk to your children. Just drink. Listen to the show. Drink and then go to sleep and wake up and write comments. Anyway. The, the Hostess ads, everyone from a certain age remembers the Hostess ads. For those of you too young to remember, Chad, uh, the, the Hostess, <laughs> Hostess was the maker of the snack cakes and Twinkies and cupcakes. And they had – they created uh, or, or licensed their products to DC and Marvel and other companies to create full-page ads for their stuff in comic book form. And they featured – like all the different characters of the DC and Marvel universes, as well as Archie, Richie Rich, Casper, and some other characters. And really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, uh, we'll go through this list, actually. Um, but uh, the, the, the funny thing was, they were done, these, these pages, these ads were done by the creative teams from the comics. So they looked like a page of comics. Uh, you know, I mean, like Marvel had Sal Buscema do a bunch of them, and DC had... Uh, Kurt Swan do a bunch, and of course, so if you looked at a Superman comic and looked at Kurt Swan, and then you're like, "Oh, this is this looks like it's just a page of the comic." Now, one of the rules Hostess had was you could not feature uh, the hero starring in the Hostess ad could not be starring in the book that the ad was running in. I don't know you why. Sure, that wasn't sure that wasn't like a DC or Marvel. Maybe it was. Rule. I assumed it was a host thing, but I could be wrong. I, uh, there's not a lot of information on these. Um, strangely enough, like the guy, the, the people who wrote them, like barely remembered writing them. Um, it's, it's funny. I think we mentioned it on a previous episode. There was an issue of Firestorm. Like, I think it's Firestorm number two, like of the original series here where Superman guest stars. And right, right, dur- right. during the issue, you get a hostess fruit pie ad and it's got Superman. 
So it confused the crap out of me as a kid. Right. Because it, it, it looks just like a page of the comic. But, in fact, it was just because Superman wasn't the star of the book, they could put that Superman ad in that issue of Firestorm. Right. I mean, like in, the, in Justice League, um, they ran – you never really saw a hostess ad featuring any of the members of the Justice League because they kind of knew, okay, any of these characters could be in there, could be in there which is why you had people like the Joker – Starring in their own hostess ads, or Penguin, starring in their own hostess ads. Um, we're going to cover the Aquaman hostess ads, but I'm going to do just a brief list here of the characters that did appear in them. There were over 250 different ads. Oh my gosh! Yes, this is from a site I found, um, TomHeroes.com/slash/comic-ads/slash/hostess-ads, and it, this guy has a list and scans of all of these ads. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you the best site to visit, since we're mentioning sites. Sean Baby. The ad- Sean Baby. Sean Baby, Sh- yeah. Sean Baby's hostess page is hysterical. Yeah, if, if you want someone foul-mouthingly uh, <laughs> ripping them apart, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good ad. That's a good place to visit. It's uh, seanbaby.com slash hostess, HTML. Right. Um, but the, oh, it's great. Anyway, the list here, we've got, we've got um, in alphabetical order, the characters that appeared in their own ads were Aquaman, Archie, uh, Bad Girl, Batman, uh, a lot of Batmans, as you might imagine, Bugs Bunny, Captain America, Captain Marvel, the Marvel one, Casper. Casper starred in 28 different hostess ads. A parrot called – a parrot named Cracky. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what company that was. Daredevil. There was a Daredevil hostess ad drawn by Frank Miller. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, there was. Um, Fantastic Four. Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Hot Stuff, Hulk, um, a lot of Hulks, Human Torch, Iron Man, Josie and the Pussycats, The Joker, Mr. Fantastic, the Penguin, Plastic Man, Popeye, Red Tornado, Richie Rich, Roadrunner, Sad Sack, Shazam, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, a ton of Spider-Mans, as you might imagine, Spooky the Ghost, Superman the Thing, Thor, Tweeting Sylvester, Wendy the Good Little Witch, and Wonder Woman. So... It was, it was a pretty extensive ad campaign. Um, and actually, Mira got her own hostess ad as well. Seriously? Yes, which we'll get to in a moment. But anyway, the Aquaman ones, one of them, there's a – you can find um, on the AquamanTrend.com, there's a, uh, a link on the uh, in the sidebar. It says hostess ads where you can see all of these ads. There's one called Aquaman and the Imperiled Sub, which features him and Aqualad. I mean all these, these ads were like six panels. So, you know, they don't have a lot of time for storytelling because you got to work in the, 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 the hard sell at the end. But basically, uh, Aquaman and Aqualad rescue a sub using their uh, using Aquaman's uh, Finny Friends' help. They rescue the sub by pushing it back on land, and they all celebrate by enjoying some Hostess Twinkies at the end. <laughs> um, as Aquaman says, I'll ride a tidal wave for these delicious cakes anytime. <laughs> um, now, most of these were pro- – not most, but at least some of these were written by longtime DC writer and editorial person um, Bob Rosakis, uh, the answer man. He remembers writing some of them. I read an interview with him somewhere where he talks about writing some of them, but he doesn't remember who wrote the rest. These were sort of just, just – I think disseminated among the DC staff as sort of a job to, to, to you know, just write this. You know? um, there's Aquaman in the Space Capsule, which, figure, which features Aquaman, Aqualad, and Mira. They rescue a space capsule, of course, and as a way of um, – when the astronauts uh, get rescued, uh, Aquaman and Mira present them with hostess fruit pies as a way to celebrate. Uh, <laughs> the final panel is, outer space had a lot of interesting things to see, but only Earth has hostess fruit pies to eat. So, 
<laughs> oh my god, the Sean baby commentary on these are amazing. You've really got to see these. Do you want to join the rest? Do you want to join the show, Shag? What we're doing over here? I no, I'm I'm looking at the space capsule, one. <laughs> and on the right has Sean Baby going. Jesus, Aquaman's pieads suck. But I love how he and his pals dress so crazy that the astronauts astronauts think they're aliens. <laughs> Why are the astronauts even there? Doesn't the space program keep track of things like this? It seems like they should put someone in charge of remembering that the twenty million dollar space capsule filled with astronauts landed that day. Uh, Houston, I don't know if you remember, but uh, it's the sixth. We landed. We believe our location is somewhere in the Atlantic. Be advised we've encountered two gay space monsters in their underwear and several talking fish. Request immediate retrieval and two pairs of pants. Over. I mean, this is hysterical. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, there's another one called Aquaman in That Dirty Beach, which which sounds, you know, a bit like somebody trying to slip in a joke. Um <laughs> There's a anyway. Of course, there's a there's a closed beach. Aquaman discovers that the source of the trouble is a purple alien, who he summarily dismisses with one punch. But it ends with uh, Aquaman and the alien and the guy who runs the beach, who is sort of reminds me of the mayor from Jaws, uh, celebrating with some Hostess Twinkies. Uh, this can, one, I read, can I read the Sean Baby B commentary on that ahead. one too? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea that swimsuit and tanning oils. I had no idea that when swimsuit and tanning oil sales drop, companies send their executives out to the beach to give economic speeches to superheroes. The highlight for me is how we don't even get get to see the fight between Aquaman and Sludjack. <laughs> we go to the first punch to a picture of Aquaman trying to figure out a way to beat him. It's like the artist said, "Shit, we don't know who's going to lose." <laughs> Or should, we know he's going to lose. I don't need to draw it. <laughs> you, know, like, come on. You, know, like, you know, now that you read the Sean Baby comment out loud, it sounds like Frank. It does. But it's, Frank it's, is the it's Frank. humorous commentary. It is. He um, does this, I mean, he does this on everything. In fact, there's a whole Super Friends page, which is a riot, too. So, anyway, please continue. Like, you have, you have, like, money in this site? You're really hitting it hard there. I've, I've, been, I've been frequenting that site I mean, since probably 98 when I first got a computer that could do graphics on the internet. Apparently <laughs> you've got some sort of kickback thing going on. Um, art-wise, the first two that I mentioned look like, well, clearly all these look like they're drawn by Kurt Swan. Um, the first two that I mentioned look like they're inked by Vince Coletta. Not exactly sure. The Ooh. third one, yeah. The third one, That Dirty Beach, has a scratchier kind of look, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was Dick Giordano doing the inks on them, That Dirty Beach. Um, I can, as I would say. There's Aquaman in the Ice Age, which features uh, the Aquaman family. It's basically just a giant ice creature, ice giant, who, who of course, is now back in the current series. He attacks... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> looks a little like him. It looks a little like him. Uh, he attacks Aquaman. He is subdued by when Aqualad hands him a hostess cupcake, and everybody celebrates at the end with the cupcakes. And <laughs> there's um, Aquaman in the Pirate's Gold which is a bunch of guys are looting the uh, the bottom of the ocean for treasure. Aquaman gets them to stop by uh, instead burying Hostess, fruit, uh, Hostess Twinkies. And the uh, guys find the uh, Hostess Twinkies, and they're like, well, this is much better than gold, and they take them above uh, above the surface and celebrate with those. And it, it'd be great, it ends the great panel of Aquaman and Aquaman waving at them. Everybody's having a good time with the, uh, the Twinkies. And the first line in that one is, Great guppies! <laughs> <laughs> Who's the art on that one? Because the art on Aquaman and Aqua look pretty good in this one. That these are, you know, yeah, this one doesn't look like it's by Kurt Swan. So I'm right. not, yeah, I'm not exactly sure who did that one. Really not. It wouldn't. It looks a little. Hmm. 
you know, like Garth I know. In, in that third or fourth panel, Aquaman and close up Aquaman and Garth look pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I'm not exactly sure it did that one. There's Aquaman in Twinkies and Kelp. Aqualad and Mira, again, they rescue another ship that's gone out of control, and everybody celebrates at the end with Hostess Twinkies. This one is, again, drawn by Kurt Swan, and in the um, the top panel, where you see Aquaman swimming, uh, that was used as stock art in a bunch of Aquaman merchandise for years after that. Okay, I was going to say, that pose looked really familiar. Yeah, yeah they, re- they reused that. And then the last one was Aquaman meets the Manta Men, but even though Aquaman's name is on it, it, he's not in it. It's Mira and Aqualad, actually. Well, it says Mira meets the Aquaman. Right, it says the Manta Mira Man. meets the Manta Man. And then there's a logo where it says Aquaman right below it. And Aqualad's in it. Aqualad is in it. Now, the funny thing is, if you look at it, I mean, I know we kind of goof on Kurt Swan, and I've said it before, where, like, his people all kind of look the same. But it really does play in. If you look at Aqualad in the fifth panel of You mean show, Superman? It, yeah, it look, well, it looks like Aquaman with dark hair. It looks like Superman to me. All right, so it wouldn't shock me that this, if this wasn't in fact Aquaman and changed to Aqualad for some mirror, some reason. I don't know why um, Hostess would think Mira would sell uh, Hostess fruit pies. Um, they end up they take on these these Manta guys with the most ridiculous looking villains <laughs> possible. I love their hats. <laughs> and at the end, the last panel is all is serene under the sea once more, and the Manta one of the Manta men says, "I'm convinced fingers and hands are meant for good things like Hostess fruit pies." And the other guy adds, so were mouths. So, oh, my gosh. There you go. <laughs> um, I love these things. These were really a part of my childhood, these, these ads. I, I actually tried to find some Hostess products in the supermarket today so I could eat them while we were recording just to get into the mode of it. But, but Hostess they, is out of business. Right. I was going to say, dude. Um, so you can't find them anymore. Now, I'm sure somebody will buy the brand and bring them back or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're, out of, they're currently out of business right now. I saw a posting right before uh, December, what was it, 21st, when the world was supposed to end? Yes. It said, way to go, Hostess, for going out of business, you know, like three weeks too early. <laughs> you know, they always say Hostess fruit pies would last to the end of the earth because there's so much preservatives in it. Right, right, right. Now, I tell you, in, uh, in the Aquaman and the Space Capsule, there's, a, there's an incredibly sexist panel of Mara carrying a tray of food like she's serving yes, everyone because yes. she's the woman. Well, she's the but that panel of her carrying those Hostess pies, like... This this strip must appear in a comic I've read a lot because it's like that picture of her carrying the tray of pies is so familiar to me, you know. Or I just fantasize about her serving me fruit pies. I, I, I don't know that's which. Probably it. If you look closely, at the, if you look closely at the pies in the tray that she's serving, yeah. they're not they're not proportionate. They're um, huge. They're huge. I mean, those, yeah. <laughs> they, you know. One of each. That's all there is. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever had a hostess fruit pie, it's like the size of like your hand, maybe a little smaller. Yeah. Um, but the, you see them on the tray here. They look like they're pizzas. <laughs> they're enormous. <laughs> so um, these are, I said, these are always a lot of fun. The, the DC ones were a little more serious, if you can possibly use that word in this context. The Marvel ones got really goofy. I mean, um, the, the, there's one with Thor where he fights a group of um, outer space hillbillies called the Dingaling family. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, Marvel, you know, Marvel's probably... Like, Marvel's never wanted to throw away a good villain, so they yeah. probably didn't want to waste anything here. So. Well, that was funny, was that there was an old Hembeck strip where he joked about um, where he had some character complaining. I think it was even Aquaman complaining about that, quote-unquote, DC was forcing them to appear in Hostess ads. And that yeah. the superheroes were banding together to strike because they didn't like that. And they said, eventually, I think the quote was, eventually, um, 
Len Wein is going to work one of these characters into the real books, like the Dingling family or something. So. Oh wow. <laughs> um, like so Marvel, in terms of art, Marvel got a little more diverse. Marvel had to said I mentioned Sabi Sema did a couple. Uh, Frank Miller did one. I'm looking at another Daredevil one that looks like it's drawn by Gil Kane. Um, I, was just, I was just looking at the Daredevil ones myself. Now, to give you a perspective on it, the volume, and like Spider-Man's got a ton of them. Yes. You know, yeah. Thor's got like six. Iron Man's got like, I don't know, eight maybe. Hulk's got a fair amount of them. Fantastic yeah, Four's got a fair amount of them. Daredevil's got like five or six. Captain Marvel's got, you know, maybe eight or nine. Captain America's got quite a few. So Yeah, see, there you go. Another one, thank you. Um, ah, look at that. Oh my gosh, even Green Arrow, Plastic Man, and Red Tornado had one. Yes, yes. I mentioned all that when I went through the list. They all got their own. Like I said, I think because when in books like Justice League, team books, they couldn't feature any of the JLAers, so they had to then use other characters that weren't in Justice League. Now, I don't know what the purpose of getting Red Tornado to sell Hostess Fruit Pies is going to do anybody. That That seems incredibly obscure to me. But uh, obviously it worked. I mean, Marvel had Captain Marvel pitching, and there were like eight Captain Marvel ads. And he was never that big of a deal, you know? So Ooh, careful there, son. What? When, like, Jim Starlin was drawing him, he was awesome. No, I don't, I'm not saying his quality. I just mean in terms of, like, Captain Marvel was not as big as Superman, Spider-Man, Hulk, you know? I'm just saying they used that's, – that's kind of a relatively obscure character to use for mass merchandising like this. We but, fought some pretty important villains here, like Professor Sneer. Yeah, that's right, he did. Um, <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats got 19 ads. Oh, my gosh. Richie Rich. If you ever look at the, the Archie ads, they're gorgeous because they're done by all the same, you know, the, that Archie style. So they look gorgeous. Um, I would love it if they collected these into a book. I think there's probably no way to do it because all the copyright issues of all these different characters. But I would love to get, like, the inside story on the making of these. Like, you know, find the hostess executives and talk to them about where did these actually sell, help sell these products? They must have. They did 250 of these ads. Yeah, clearly. Um, I mean, yeah, they, they perceived at least that there was a, an exposure effect that helped them. Right. So I, I would love, to, I would love to, to, to see this. And just because we, we tend to be this way, I would love to see a who's who in hostess ads. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> Professor Sneer. Yes, because because Marvel, the Marvel DC ads introduced all these villains that were never seen again. Like Wonder Woman meets a villain, a giant called Kooky Lamu. <laughs> I want to learn more about Kooky Lamu. <laughs> Somebody, some writer a couple months back said they were going to introduce a hostess villain into their book. Just, to, just to, for fun. That's great. And there have been parody ones. Uh, oh my gosh, if, Spider-Man spoils the snatch? Yeah, oh, that's you, terrible. Yeah, there you go. Um, if you, again, if you go to the AquamanTran.com and look at the uh, the label for Hostess, there's a fake one featuring Aquaman pitching the um, KFC Double Down. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was one, uh, the guys who did Preacher did one. There's a oh, there's funny. there's a there's a, there's a Preacher Hostess ad. I even think there's a Watchmen Hostess ad as well. So, you know, it's become sort of famous enough to do parodies. I would say, I think of... It sounds like a, a goof, but I would actually buy a book if they did this, a Hostess Ads book collection. Sure. You know? I think it would. they would have to, like, start with the more mundane ones and then get to the more ridiculous. Because it's like the only way I could get through that book is if it got insane the more I got a wall. And, a and it does. It does. Otherwise, yeah. it would just be kind of like, eh, okay, these aren't funny anymore. Right. So, Well, I want to take a second to talk about the Firestorm Hostess Ads. Go right ahead. All right. 
And there we go. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> Perfect. So glad I had that opportunity. So. Now, I mean, to be fair to Firestorm, the overlap between the hostess ads and Firestorm was very brief. But when did it stop? The hostess ads stopped in like 81, 82. Firestorm was only around like okay. five years at that point. That's true. So he didn't have and, – and you know what? If the hostess ads uh, – here I am defending Firestorm. But if the hostess ads had lasted past the beginning of Fury of Firestorm, I think he would have gotten one. I would agree. Yeah, by like 83 since that book the, – the, I didn't know this until we talked to Dan Jurgens. But the Fury of Firestorm book then from 82 sold incredibly well. One of DC's best-selling titles. At least the direct market, because I guess he mentioned, I think he said it was a direct market book, or at least they were looking at direct market sales. Maybe that's what it was. Okay. It wasn't a direct no. market book, because I bought it on the news. No, they must have been looking at direct market sales right. then. But the Firestorm numbers were huge, mm-hmm. and I was like, I had no idea of that until we talked to him about it. Yep. So there was, there was a point where Firestorm and Teen Titans were like DC's top two selling books. Mm, Teen Titans and Legion. Was it, the okay. All right. Yeah, Legion. And then Firestorm was up there. So it's something to say. If, if if Hostess had lasted longer than that, I absolutely – I mean, look at him. He made it into the cartoon. Yeah. You know, there was a toy. They absolutely would have done it. So that would have been a lot of fun. I think it's just Hostess. And I would have loved to know why did they give it up? Like why did they stop running the ads? Because Hostess, of course, was around up until just last year. So it's not as though they went out of business in 1982. So I wonder why they stopped. I, I, said, I would actually genuinely love to know this stuff. Maybe either only com- I would. It, but. Either comic books raised their rates – for ads, or they just didn't perceive the value of it anymore, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe we, we might never know. I might have to talk to Barbara Zakis. Uh, the one interview I read with him about it, he seemed almost like, why are you even asking me about this? <laughs> Which I can't blame yeah, really? him. Yeah, I can't, bl- I can't blame him because it just seems so obscure to ask about this stuff. But I said, if you look at you know 251 ads, that would make a pretty cool book. Um, I personally want to see Hulk versus the Rolo disc, Roller Disco Devils on, on one nice paper. <laughs> There's one ad that I always thought should have been Firestorm. It always made me sad. It was a Fantastic Four one. It was the Human Torch in Blown About. And he's fighting this chick whose hair is like super teased up. And she's got a giant hair dryer. And she blows out. Human Torch with poof. And flames go out. So the only way he can stop her is by giving her hostess... T- uh, what are their cupcakes? Cupcakes, yes. <laughs> so it cracks me up. <laughs> I always thought that'd be perfect for Firestorm, you know, blows his hair out. Boomf. So. Thank you. That was two more. Thank you. Oh my much. gosh. I heard myself do one earlier. I love it. This is grand. This is fantastic. We are going to get our fans totally faced by the end of this episode. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> you're welcome, everybody. I know you're all desperately searching for some reason, some excuse to drink copious amounts of alcohol. You're welcome. <laughs> this episode. So- this episode of the Fire and Water God podcast brought to you by Knob Creek. <laughs> Boone's. Boone's Farm for the Firestorm fans. <laughs> Boone's Hill? What is it? It's Boone, Boone Farm, right? Boone's Farm. Boone's Farm. Yeah. Oh, the good old days. All right. So anyway, I think, I think we've covered the hostess, <laughs> the hostess yeah. ads well enough. So I was going to talk about for Firestorm, uh, I was going to touch on an older issue of the, of the series that I just thought might be fun to talk about. The Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man, number 42. From December 1985. And the reason this issue sticks out in my mind is because this was the one issue of the Fury of Firestorm series that was Firestorm-less. Our main character did not appear in this comic book at all. It was a Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, and it was all about Firehawk. And it was a good issue. So just uh, after we did Who's Who recently, where we talked about Firehawk's new costume, when she got the uh, the blue and orange you know, screaming bird 
costume that I just I think is fantastic. It's beautiful. Yeah, this issue struck me because what happened was she she got the new costume in Crisis Number Eight, and then that led immediately into this issue of Firestorm. So it's a uh, I'm gonna just kind of I'm not gonna talk about it incredibly length, but just cover sort of some of the high points. The issue basically is her and Donna Troy teaming up when and when Donna Troy was Wonder Girl during the Crisis in a very time wrapped era area of New York. There's all kinds of different time periods that New York has been transformed into, and it's their sort of adventures through that, and a lot of it takes place during a period of Revolutionary War. In fact, it says right on the cover here, Rob, check this out. It says, the all-new Firehawk meets Wonder Girl, all this, and, check it out, Tomahawk and Dan Hunter, too. <laughs> For those of you who listen to the Who's Who podcast, you know Rob's a big fan of Tomahawk. I had no idea Tomahawk ever appeared in Firestorm. <laughs> When, when was he around? Like the fifties or something? The comic? Yeah, uh, ran from fifty to like seventy-one. God, that long? Fifty, fifty something. I don't know. So it's like nineteen fifty exactly, but it started in the fifties and was canceled in nineteen seventy-one. Wow. I mean, at a minimum, that's eleven, twelve years at a minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the wow. final issue was like number one hundred and forty, I think. So you know, that was a, that was a long run. Okay. Well. The story starts off, um, Firehawk's trying to sort of find her way. She's got her new costume and everything, but she's, she doesn't feel connected to the superhero community because she hasn't been really, really embracing the superhero community. She kind of just comes out to hang out with Firestorm and whenever there's a real crisis. That's really about it. And her and Wonder Girl are talking about it. And she even talks about how she, uh, she, Hawk Girl, sorry, Firehawk's thanking Wonder Girl for the, her help and the Titans' help sort of like getting her through some of the, the crisis. And, you know, the, oh, I should mention the creative team. Jerry Conway, writer-creator, Raphael Cayenne, pencil and designer, and then Aiken and Garvey on inks. So, oh, there's, a, there's one of those sews for you guys. You can't help yourself. I, I really had no idea. <laughs> there's some really nice Cayenne, he's not aping Perez. That's not fair. He's not aping Perez by any means, but he is trying to draw some of the iconography from Crisis. So you see New York with all the... Remember the black billowing clouds during Crisis? Oh, yes, yes. So you see a lot of like that. You see a lot of the monitors, futuristic, you know, landscapes and machines and stuff. You see all that kind of stuff that you saw throughout Crisis done by Raphael Cannon here in the book. So they're exploring New York. They're kind of talking. And Donna Troy is worried about her husband, Terry. And Firehawk is worried about her dad, who's the senator. Because they're both down there in New York somewhere, but they're missing now because of, of all the time shifting. Like, they're sitting there on a skyscraper looking at one area of New York that has been turned into, I hear you, it's the, the East 30s. They're looking down there, and it's prehistoric Earth. You know, there's dinosaurs, there's, you know, volcanoes, all this stuff. All right, you know what? I was going to try and be good, but I'm not. Even by, I'm going to just say, by the fourth page, we're already getting some really hot drawings of Wonder Girl by Raphael Cahannon. So, I was going to try and be good, but... I mean, who didn't have a crush on Donna Troy, right? Tell me you did. Uh, no. I wasn't big on Donna Troy. Really? Yeah. You're so... You like Aquaman, too, so that explains a few things, I suppose. But some really nice sort of cheesecake drawings of uh, Donna Troy, and she just looks hot, and it's wonderful. So Donna Troy gets wrapped up by this giant prehistoric octopus, and Firehawk has to save her. And, and it's an interesting... I mean, throughout the issue, it's sort of an interesting team-up, because you don't think of... Wonder Girl and Firehawk as, you know, sort of a team, a duo. 
but they make a pretty good team in here because you know one's super strong, one's got the energy powers. They both can fly. You learn a little bit about Firehawk's mom that you, you don't really get the sort of information anywhere else. You know about her dad because he shows up a lot, but we learn about her mom and how she died when she was very young. But Firehawk always remembers that she smelled like uh, roses. It's kind of a neat little thing. It's like it almost makes you I feel I felt for the character a lot when I read this issue. So they're still they're they're, they're having more adventures here. Firehawk, I'm sorry, um they they go into a revolutionary war period or section of New York. <laughs> what what? That just sounds funny. A revolutionary era period of New York City. Wonder Girl gets hit by a cannonball. <laughs> and apparently that's enough to knock her out, which I don't really get because she is Wonder Girl. She's supposed to be pretty powerful. But I guess after the big fight with the octopus, she's a little worn out, or the squid. So they end up in lower Manhattan circa 1776. And Wonder Girl's hurt pretty bad, and they try and hide in, you know, just trying to get away from everybody. So they sneak into this pub, which causes, which causes a huge fight. They're saying, you know, Wonder Girl's in her underwear, and you know, she's wearing the colors of the British flag. All this stuff doesn't go well. So, and so this guy tries to beat them up, and all of a sudden, two revolutionary guys help them, you know, in their coonskin hats. Coonskin and their, caps, yeah, yeah. Yep, in their tan, you know, whatever kind of outfits. They start beating the crap out of these guys to defend them, and sure enough, it's Tomahawk and, I was about to say Dan the Dynamite, Dan Hunter. <laughs> they take him in, and by this point, Wonder Girl has a raging fever. She's got these suction cup wounds on her stomach. She's been injured. She's not doing well. And there's a doctor looking for her, trying to figure out how to take care of her. He doesn't really know. And so it's a very bad infection. So they say that she's just going to have to um, give her some broth and let the fever burn itself out. So, you know, it would be terrible if Wonder Girl were to die from like a cannonball and squid attack, right? <laughs> so Firehawk's feeling pretty bad. She's like, wow, you know, I, I screwed this up pretty bad. And Dan is at saying, uh, you know, he, he kind of, not Dan, I'm sorry, Tom Hawk's acknowledging his look, I know you guys aren't normal. There's something not right about you guys. Firehawk reveals who they are. Tomahawk explains he could really use their help because the British are about to end the revolution. Basically, the British have sent a bunch of troops and ships, and they're going to pretty much end the revolution, and the American Revolution is going to end right here at, with our loss. And Firehawk's Feels like, you know, maybe she shouldn't get involved, doesn't want to interrupt the time stream. But Donna Troy, who's fever-ridden, sweating, can barely move, says, no, we have to help. I'm going to help. And the fact that her willingness to sacrifice her own, you know, health and and life resonates with Firehawk to the point where she sort of is inspired by Donna Troy's willing to sacrifice. Again, I'm demonstrating a lot of self-control here because in these scenes, Donna Troy's actually naked. Wrapped up in just a a, a a sheet. I mean, she it's Donna Troy naked and sweating in sheets, and I'm just I'm I'm not going all out with the comments I should be doing. So she actually falls out of the bed at one point, even. Anyway, I'm just saying Donna Troy's pretty hot. So Donna Troy, who's on the edge of falling apart, and Firehawk get involved with the Revolutionary War and beat up a bunch of British troops. I mean, they just <laughs> smack the crap down on these redcoats, and through this process, it's helped. Wonder Girl sort of get invigorated, and she, she's actually burning through the fever during the battle. She recovers. Tomahawk thanks them, says what an amazing difference they made, and they said that the revolution will be over in a week, and they're going to win the whole thing. So, Yay. Well, actually, I'm sorry. He's saying if they stay, it would be over in a week. I apologize. So, But he's saying that they, they've helped them win this victory, and it's meant a lot to them. Firehawk thanks Wonder Girl, tells her that you've really helped me. You know, getting my own costume sort of helped me on my own path, but you've you know, sort of inspired me 
to stick with the superhero shtick. So. <laughs> and uh, they, they kind of fly off to go do their own thing, you know, together. They're flying off, you know, away from Revolutionary New York to try and go, you know, get the crisis sorted out sort of thing. So it makes for a really great issue. It, you really learn a lot about Firehawk. You get to focus on her, which really hasn't happened a lot throughout the series. She's always been sort of a sidekick or just the love interest or whatever. You don't get a lot of time with Firehawk. So seeing her in this in this setting with Donna Troy made for a really good story. I think Jerry Conway did a nice job with it. Raphael Cannon did a great job with the art. Um, I think it's a fun comic. It's a little different than previous Firestorm comics. And uh, I, I'm always a sucker for those sort of time... The heroes go back in time and get involved in history and then come back home kind of adventures. They're usually one-offs kind of things. Yeah, the self-contained story, sure. Yeah. So this was a nice one of those. So I really enjoyed it. Did you have any I ever, ever talked to Jerry about any inkling as why this was done? Like why they gave Firestorm the month off? I mean, it's fairly unusual. You know, you know, I didn't. Maybe I should. Yeah, uh, I'd love to find out. Was this like a, like a sort of like a pilot? Like, hey, maybe we can, you know, can Firestorm, Firehawk uh, support our own book or something like that? Buddy book, Wonder Girl and Firehawk. I'd buy it. <laughs> Anything with Donna Troy, I'd buy I'm buying every comic book Donna Troy appears in in the New 52 right now. How, how many books is that? As many as Wally West. Oh, that's so zero. Oh, I get it now. Okay, got it. There you have it. So. <laughs> I like that wedding issue they did. I thought that was great. With the New Teen Titans? No, but the old, yeah, in the old series, the 80s series, when she got married oh, okay. to Terry Long and they didn't do any superhero super villain stuff it was just the wedding i thought that was really unusual you know it's like usually can we do a comic without fights yes yes you can it's kind of like this one can we do a firestorm comic without firestorm there you go that's perfect so there's another one take another drink yes pokemon <laughs> chad's too young to drink uh so <laughs> anyway we're, we've already been talking for a long time and we're not even getting to the main part of this episode which is of course listener feedback Woo! So we're going to take a break. We're going to listen to a uh, fun hostess ad featuring Twinkie the Kid, and uh, who unfortunately never did get to team up with Superman, which would have been awesome, or maybe even join the Justice League. So enjoy this uh, hostess ad, and uh, we'll be back shortly. We'll return after these messages. This is Twinkie the Kid. Ever wonder how they get that creamy filling into the middle of a Twinkie's cake? Well, these kids have some pretty good ideas. First, they put down the creamy filling, then they bake the cake all around. See, they got this big tube full of the stuff, and they just squish it in. It's just born there. Hostess Twinkie's Cakes, Fruit Pies, and Cupcakes. Yahoo! The fresh snacks with a snack in the middle. All right, folks, we're back from break, and now it's time for... Listener's Feedback! And it is a ton of feedback, ladies and gentlemen. We are covering comments from various sites, whether it be blogs or stuff from the interwebs and with the social medias and stuff. We're going all the way back to February, grabbing different comments and stuff. Maybe even a little bit of January here. So we're going to be talking about a lot of different episodes. We'll try and sort of explain the comments if necessary if it's about a particular episode so we're just going to jump right in here's a nice generic sort of comment from albert miranda he said oh, this is over on facebook he said love the fire and water podcast and you and jurgens made me check out fury of firestorm even before it's impending cancellation really glad that we got you to jump on that firestorm bandwagon it's a great <laughs> book well no i mean obviously it's not gonna 
save the book, but it's a great book, and the more people that read it, that's fantastic. And if we played a small little part in that, I'm very happy to hear that, Albert. Absolutely. Um, we got an email from Jared Cardos. Uh, don't blame me. I voted for Cardos. Uh, he wrote an email on... What? 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 I don't even know what that means. Okay. You, you just stay ignorant. It's fine. The, All right. the, the Simpsons fans out there will get it. Uh-huh. Um, oh, oh, how dare I reference a show that's been on for a quarter century that Shag's never heard once. <laughs> uh, how, da- how dare I mention some obscure TV show that no one's ever heard of because Shag doesn't listen to it. Maybe they don't get it down in Florida. I don't know. Um, anyway. <laughs> You're so angry. I am. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what happens when you feed him after midnight, folks? <laughs> Jerry, yeah. Jerry, that's my gizmo impersonation. Uh, <laughs> it was terrible. That was, that was terrible. Hey, we're not all gifted mimics like you are with the dark side thing. Jared, Jared Cardos. Anyway, he wrote us an email uh, about the JLA Firestorm Archive number 16 uh, episodes. He mentioned this uh, right off. He said, in case someone didn't mention it, T.O. Morrow actually appeared in the first arc of Justice League. He was one of the people who helped craft Vic Stone into Cyborg. And I think he was also briefly kidnapped by the parademons. I have no memory of that at all. I, I'm not, I, I actually remember. Okay. I remember Tio Morrow being involved. I'm not doubting Jared. I just have no memory of it. No memory you just, of it. You, you just blocked out the first six, issue, six issues of Justice League, except for the awkward scenes. Yeah, I think so. I think that's entirely possible. Um, <laughs> he talks about the, the Superman, Batman being the sort of nexus of the JLA movies and the Nolan verse and things like that. He also mentions, um, and to be fair to the guy who did the Gangster Squad doing the screenplay, that movie did make for an impressive trailer. <laughs> what a compliment. <laughs> you could have just saved money just have him write the trailer, you know, instead of writing the whole movie. Uh, he also mentions, speaking of series ending by breaking the fourth wall and saying they were canceled, that was how Keith Giffen ended his Doom Patrol one. I should have known it was Keith Giffen of anybody who was going to do it. was going to be Keith Giffen. He ended his Doom Patrol run, where the team was just about to face off against the villains when Ambush Bug, then a member of the Doom Patrol, no memory of that, whispers in, whispers in the villains' ears that the book has been canceled, so they left for their home dimension. It was pretty hilarious. I have got to find that. i got to find that book. That sounds great. So thanks for that, Jared. I appreciate that. You know, I collected that Doom Patrol series almost all the way to the end, but I think I stopped just before I finished oh, of course. what came in. I'm killing myself for that now. <laughs> i got to find that one. That, that sounds like a blast. I, that's great, because we talked about that. Had that ever been done before? Right, right. And so here's Jared, you know, Johnny on the spot with a perfect example. So thank you very much, Jared. Uh, we got another comment from Oren's dad. He left it on uh, Firestorm Fan about uh, Fire and Water number 43, the Firestorm cancellation and listener feedback episode. Shag, I hadn't heard about the cancellations. I was very bummed, both for you and Firestorm. You gave me grief about not reading Firestorm just because I didn't mention it in my letter, but I'm reading it now. Started picking up when Jurgens took over and I'm enjoying the run. Plus, I have the entire volume two as well. So while he's not in my top five listing of favorite superheroes, and I still didn't name my son after him, Aquaman is still number one, I feel very familiar with and do enjoy Firestorm a lot. I expect him, I expect his next child to be named Jason or Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love he ends it with, until Frank can summarize his thoughts in less than five bullet points, and little Russell Burbage gets a permanent hometown, make my fire and water. <laughs> the show is eating itself in terms of its making comments on its own comments. It is. So that's Oren's dad, also known as Sean Brock. So, Got a series. Hey, take a drink. Got a series of comments from, I'm gonna get, I, he gave us a pronunciation key, so I'm going to get this right. Oscar Al- Alde? Is that what you got? Yes. Oscar, Oscar all, all day. All right, all I, day. I'm gonna get it wrong. I'm gonna get it wrong in a minute, folks. I promise you that. All day. All all day. No. Well, that's how he did. All all all, all, all day. 
We've spent more time on this. <laughs> Oscar has left us a comment <laughs> over on Facebook. OMG, you guys. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but the Firewater podcast team is about to feel real good after picking up Justice League number 16 today. So couldn't wait for the comment in the podcast. So thank you for that. And, uh, yes, we did feel very good after picking up Justice League number 16. He also, as he read the Throne of Atlantis storyline, he put a funny comment out there. He says, where's our mandatory Aquaman and Firestorm team-up two-page spread? Come on, fess up. You Fire and Water podcast guys know that this is totally happening during the Throne of Atlantis event. Yeah, we couldn't tell you. It was a big secret, and it was a really big surprise on that two-page spread when that happened because it didn't. didn't. <laughs> Uh, we had w- one of our listeners put together this great picture of Aquaman choking Batman from the Throne of Atlantis storyline, and it said, uh, <laughs> said Aquaman will choke a bitch. And Oscar sent us an, Im- uh, us an image. It's one of those sort of de- demotivational posters. Has Batman kicking a guy in the hand who's holding a gun, at, and as he's kicking the guy in the hand, the gun goes off and he shoots himself. It says, Batman, he'll make you shoot your dick off. It's, oh, Lord. It's crude, but it's hilarious. Cause the guy's, you know, he's pulling his gun out of the front, you know, right behind his belt buckle. So he's trying to be all bad. And Batman kicked him and made the guy fire the gun. So it goes to show Batman's a little tougher than Aquaman, I think. It says, apparently Batman doesn't stop at choking you. <laughs> So, and then he's, he left us a nice long comment about the Firestorm cancellation issue. So, so, finally got through the podcast. Honestly, didn't, postpo- didn't postpone it out of sadness for the cancellation. Things like that happen all the time in any area of entertainment, but this time it hit on an otherwise happy place I like to relax in. Even if it's been telegraphed since Gail Simone left, not because of her being who she is, though I love the if, she, if, if X ain't on it, I'm dropping the book fanboy mentality. This sentence is kind of all over the place. Um... <laughs> Anyway, it says, even if it's been telegraphed since Gail Simone left, um, but by the way, DC's editorial changed teams. I'm lost in this sentence. <laughs> but by anyway, the way, DC editorial changed teams without letting the book grow a long momentum from their ideas. Yeah, it's a little... It's, a little it's my fault because I stopped in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's how sentences the- work, Shag. You have to read the whole thing for to be able to glean its meaning. I don't know how to read <laughs> It says, at the end of the day, it's always a business decision, all right. But then again, having The Walking Dead being cash-making priority, there would be a great show comic missing right now. Same goes, in my opinion, with Firestorm and Hawkman. But you can't put a good hero down. And a two-in-one, no way. Firestorm will rise again, and I will be there. Then <laughs> he says, on a much happier note, a little me is getting a shout-out within a shout-out? And from real-life Diablo Frank, of all people? <laughs> that was during a previous listener feedback episode where we... Diablo was giving Oscar a hard time. And he goes, oh, yes, I have arrived. And the gifts don't stop there. I got half of my professional drag name, ooh la la, priceless. Because I couldn't say his name apparently in that episode either. So, <laughs> I love this. He ends it with, also, Rob dissing the latest excuse for Justice League movie effort like a boss and for not being a Marvel zombie. He was on point with all his comments about it. Quote, like Avengers but faster. Quote, right now the JLA movie is, pause, not good, unquote. That pause Obviously, it was there because he thinks about the children, but gave us all a nice blank for our curse word of choice. <laughs> Long live Firestorm, he ends it with. Uh, I guess I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. We're talking about the uh, – now we're talking about the Power Records episode that I did, um, the episode 44, which was – we talked about the – or I played the Aquaman and Shazam Power Records. Uh, and I asked, would, does anybody want to hear more of those episodes? And this is Kyle Benning. Got a comment from him. Uh, I think it's a new comment. I don't think we've ever gotten anything from him before. He says, I'd love to hear more of these. 
Do you have a link to your blog that has them all? I'd love to check them out. Yes, the, the, that blog is Power Record. No, no S at the end of that. Powerrecord.blogspot.com. And I think some of the files have sort of disappeared over time, but a lot, many of them are still up, and you can see the graphics for all the Power Records that I think there almost ever was. Um, we got a comment from uh, Corey Hodgden about the um, Power Record uh, episode. Well, it came with the Power Record episode, but it wasn't related to that. He sent us a graphic of a book called, and it's about Namor, but it's called Fire and Water, <laughs> about Bill Everett, the Submariner, and the birth of Marvel Comics. I really want to read that book. It looks really cool. <laughs> I think we should get complimentary copies. I think so. I think I even said that. I think I was like, Corey, right? You did. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, related to the Power Records, he wrote, that was a blast from the past. I enjoyed it. would love to hear more. I remember listening to a Spider-Man album I had as a kid all over again. It had the Draco the Dragon story as well as a villain called the Conquistador. I always wish I could have had more, but I was just a kid when it came to spending my money on a record or a Star Wars collection figure. Nine times out of ten, I would choose the action figure. and can't blame me for that. Anyway, thanks for playing these, and like I said, I'd love to hear more, Corey. Thank you very much, Corey. Before, before we go into further comments, I just want to say I would also love to hear more of the Power Records episodes. I really enjoyed that one. There was some weird, twisted crap in there. Oh, like, you Aqu- haven't heard nothing yet. <laughs> well, like when Aquaman, they defeat the alien. Yep, yep. And like, it almost sounds like Aquaman and Mera are like, having celebratory carnal, you know, sharing of Marital each other. Relations. Right right in front of the alien, as if basically to say, like, woo, we won, take yeah, this. It's Wait, great. It's crazy. It ends, now, I, yeah, it ends with the alien and his entire planet about to die. Right. Now, as a kid, I had a power record. I had a Superman one. You and I talked about this off air, but I'll just say, I'll tell the story again. And I listened to the crap out of that thing. It was one where Superman was having nightmares. That's in the story... One. Yeah, in the in the story, Superman they decide Superman's too much of a danger and he has to leave the planet. And as you know, as a kid, I just remember this like, "No, Superman, you can't leave us!" I was so upset. <laughs> and then there's this scene where he he discovers that the bad guy is the president of the United States, actually Lex Luthor in disguise, and he uses his heat vision to melt the the vinyl or rubber mask off the president, reveals Lex Luthor, <laughs> and it really sounds like he's cooking his face. I mean, it's just it's horrible. And as a kid, that just really stuck with me. I'd imagine, like, the smell of burning bacon, you know, during this scene. <laughs> it is. They were really very well done, you know, very evocative. Yeah. They really – you really did create a mental picture in your mind um, for the ones that, have, you know, that weren't done in comic book form. I don't think well, that, that one that, was ever... – That one had art. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I never saw – I don't think I – I don't know if, if I saw it, I don't remember it, but I remember the record. You know, I remember hearing the record, and it was like, oh, God. He's, Luther starts complaining that he can't get the mask off and it's burning his face. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> um, we got an email from Alexander Adrock, again, one of my favorite names uh, in, in, of all time. He wrote, just writing to give my enthusiastic thumbs up towards more Power Record audio adventures. I'm very new to the world of audio dramas, really only being familiar with some Orson Welles shadow adventures, but I've taken a shine to them. The ones you played were super fun. I look forward to hearing some more. Keep up the great work, AA. Thank you, AA. Appreciate that. Um, we got we got um, some, a comment from Maxo, which is aka Max Romero, my buddy. Does a great blog called Great Caesar's Post, which is a oh. great great comic blog. <laughs> um, he wrote great stuff blog, a uh, great stuff blog, great stuff Rob, and that Captain Marvel adventure was pretty wonderful. The voice acting seemed perfect to me, but geez, what the hell, Aquaman? You've defeated me, and now my planet, everyone on on it, will die a slow and horrible death. Ha ha ha! <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> pretty much it. Um, I one time, I have to say, I used the final seconds of the power record as my um, answering machine message. 
and uh, and I didn't I don't mention like on the on the on the on the message. This was back in like this was like ten fifteen years ago, um, and I didn't have my name or anything. I just played that message. Yeah, and I got a call once from a guy. Um, from like Gold's Gym because I had signed up for a Gold's Gym membership. <laughs> the last time I'd ever do that, and uh, <laughs> so I get so so I, and I was home when the guy called. So I hear you know my machine kick on and I hear the whole Aquaman message play and then I hear this then I hear this I hear. Uh, yeah, that was that's some message there, Rob. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I knew that he was like, this is the biggest narrative. I'm sure he wanted to beat me up the next time he saw me at the gym, which, of course, he never did. So, you know, that, that's a lost art. I remember doing that quite a bit when I was younger. Like, messages? Oh, I, I would always, like, you know, I'd put movie audio in there, anything, because back when they were all on cassette tapes. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It was great. Um, oh, those were the days. <laughs> I got another comment about the Power Records from Matthias McBride. Uh, concerning the voiceover work with Power Records, I believe if you IMDb the voices for the original Super Friends series, you will find voices for the DC characters. Billy Batson's voice was definitely Casey Kasem, and both Captain Marvel and Aquaman's voices sounded an awful lot like Superman from the Super Friends series. I I think I'm going to argue with there, uh, argue there, Matthias. I don't believe that that Aquaman and Superman were the same, but I don't know. I would have to listen to them sort of side to side to be able to to figure that out. I am almost positive that Billy Batson was not Casey Kasem, but. Because Casey Kasem is a very, very recognizable name. But, uh, voice, I mean. But, uh, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Nerd fight. Nerd fight. We're going to slap gonna... slap each other with power records. Rob's going to throw his pocket protector in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James Guerton wrote about the power records. You know, after listening to that Aquaman power record, number 44, a frontal lobotomy sounds pretty good right about now. <laughs> 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 Which is a callback to the Batman record. Because there's a Batman one where... Uh, Robin suggests that the Joker should get a frontal lobotomy to help uh, benefit society. And Batman cheerfully agrees with him. Just but I think James is giving his vote, though, as about well. saying Aquaman is, yes. The, the Aquaman, look, the, the, the Aquaman one is so short that you just can't tell a story. It's like aliens attack, Aquaman shows up, Aquaman defeats the aliens, they laugh about their death at the end. So, that's sort of what that is. <laughs> Well, let's go back a bit real quick. Uh, Alexander Adrock had a couple because I think we're kind of winding down on the on the. Yeah, power I think we got through comments. all the power records one. Yeah. Well, there's going to be more throughout. This stuff's going to be sprinkled throughout, but oh, okay. those are the one-offs. Alexander Adrock had a couple other comments. We did an episode a couple weeks ago on April 1st, which was our El Podcast de Fuego y Agua, and it was nice. all about v- vibe. And if you listen to it, the whole podcast, we act as if the whole podcast, Fire and Water podcast, had been a vibe podcast since day one. And a lot of the a lot of the listeners got in on it. They they left comments in regard to it. You know, it's sort of playing along. A few other people didn't get it at all. Those of you who didn't get it, again, I think I said this last week, shame on you. <laughs> but anyway, Alexander Adrock, Adrock came back. He said, I look forward to the Matter Eater Lad podcast next April 1st. <laughs> That's a good idea. I like that. We might have to pull that off. I would just eat and, during the whole thing. And then uh, over on that was on Facebook and over on Twitter, he said he got the Medea reference. This is when we were talking about Amanda Waller. He said, I got the Medea reference to my delight and shame. <laughs> Thank you, Alexander. I appreciate that. We heard from little Russell Burbage from Lost Springs, Wyoming. Over on Facebook, <laughs> That's a good one. he said, I, for one, would love to read Shag's reviews of each and every Firestorm issue, like the old JLA satellite blog written by What's-His-Name. <laughs> that was a great blog. <laughs> Well, I don't know that I'm going to take the time to write them up, but maybe, I don't know, maybe I should talk about those old Firestorm issues. Just a thought. Something for you guys to mull over. 
Then over on uh, the Aquaman Shrine, when we did the issue number 17, he said, You'll be happy to know that I was not yelling at my computer while listening to this episode. I have no idea what story issues you guys were talking about. Sorry. <laughs> so a lot of times I'll make a reference that I'll be like, you know, Russell's screaming at his iPod right now. <laughs> then on the, on the Vibe episode, we talked about the April Fool's one. He wrote, so this was an April Fool's Day joke? I can't get that time back, you know. <laughs> and then we received a, um, a fairly personal and uh, very kind letter from Russell, which uh, was really thoughtful. And we really appreciate that. It's about that. how we improved his day. Uh, he was yep. having a bad day, and we, we the show helped improve it because we made him laugh, and uh, it was very appreciated, Russell. That, that's why we're doing it, you know. So, I, I honestly, I'm not gonna. I'm all seriousness aside for one second. I, you know, the the email, I got a little teary eyed. My wife read it; she got a little teary eyed. It was very personal, and uh, you know, hey, like exactly what Rob said. We're, we're just glad we could help make your day a little bit better. But, and it's a perfect example of why this community of matchheads, for those of you who don't know the term, means. You, um, Firestorm fans, or Aquanauts, which are Aquaman fans, have come together to become nuclear subs, which means you're a fan of this podcast and you're part of this community, and uh, the nuclear sub community is amazing. They're there for each other, and uh, it's a great group. All right. End personal niceness back to Snark. (laughs) We're going to talk about Brandon Leonard. (laughs) So Brandon Leonard wrote in about uh, the number 17 issues said, wow, all I can say is, is this was a bittersweet month for Firestorm. My month started off on a high with the indication that Firestorm was joining the Justice League, and then all that went away when the Firestorm title was canceled. I will say, though, that this month's Firestorm was one of my favorite issues of Dan's run, and I'm so happy that Jeff Johns has such a strong desire to keep Firestorm in every project he does. Looking forward to see how Firestorm rolls in this new Justice League turns out. So far, it's been pretty good. That's me, by the way. So far, it's been pretty good seeing Firestorm in the Justice League. They've done a good job with him. So. Hopefully... Uh, I agree. Oh, uh, this one, I got, I got to read this. Next okay, one. go ahead. This was on, uh, I made some, we were talking about Doctor Who. And I said that um, American candy was better than British candy. And I bashed uh, a particular British candy called Jelly Babies. And Martin Gray took umbrage with my comments. <laughs> <laughs> he sent me some notes. He goes, UK candy is worse than the US? Good Lord, no. North American chocolate has a horrible, vomity aftertaste. And the peanut obsession, what's that all about? And are, all, and are you sure you've had proper British jelly babies rather than some facsimile shag? There's so much tastier than gummy bears. Squidgy and flowery. Yum. Okay. As an aside, as far as I know, they were genuine British gummy bears because they were, or I mean jelly babies. They were bought in a British shop, and then later on they were bought at Epcot. So I got to assume that they're legit, man. So, and again, I don't hate them. I do like them, and I eat them every time I get them. But American candy tastes better, so take that. Although I have taken a fondness for Jamie Dodgers, which is actually a, a cookie, which is pretty awesome. Anyway, back to his comment. Anyway, love the show. Manly hugs to you both. The, Fire, the Firestorm song is a delight. That's for you, Rob. I mean, for Luke, for you, Luke Dobb. Uh, the Firestorm song is a delight. It put a huge smile on my toothless, toothless British face. <laughs> nice one, Luke. Do an entire JLA album. And yes, Luke, I would agree with that. We would like you and Dan to do an entire Justice League album, and it would be awesome. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we got a comment uh, on the Superpowers Part 2 episode, the long-awaited, uh, long-delayed <laughs> Superpowers Part 2 episode from Sphinx Magoo. Um, greatest greatest name, name ever. That, well, Cal Drunkilla, I still think, is the best one. That, that is anyway, pretty good, too. Anyway. We'll get to him in a that bit. That Justice Jogger makes me wish for a wind-up Changzu figure. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Who's Changzu? I don't know who Changzu is either. So, okay. Sphinx, please explain that. 
And the Delta One probe reminds me of Space Ghost Ghost Ship. Oh, for a Space Ghost Superpowers figure. For that matter, a Blue Falcon figure would have been great, too. I'd agree. They would have... Space Ghost would have been great, you know. Um, we got a comment from Witch 2, which is uh, Craig... Oh. Yes. Shang Tzu is apparently Egg Fu, which was from... It was, it was a supervillain in DC Comics. Yeah, Egg Fu was a Wonder Woman villain. Okay. Yeah, and he showed up during 52 and stuff. In fact, uh, I, th- I want to say he was in some of Keith Giffen's Doom Patrol, I think. So he wanted a wind-up egg food. <laughs> God, that's awesome. Okay. Um, you run with that. Uh, we got a comment said from Craig uh, Witchman, a buddy of mine, and he compared the uh, all the uh, the uh, the other superheroes' vehicles right up there with this Spider-Man's dune buggy, which was a real thing. Spider-Man actually had a dune buggy in the 70s. Oh, I totally remember that. Because <laughs> that's what you need in New York City is a dude bucky. <laughs> Got a message from Dave Cox who runs the Shirt of the Day blog, which is a great site. You ought to check that out. He said, tonight I stumbled upon a very fine copy of the Superpowers Which Way book number two, Supergirl, The Girl of Steel from 1984. I'm searching, without going on eBay, for the Justice League one with Firestorm featured on the cover. I wonder if that's the um, Dark Side of the Moon hmm. one. I don't know. I don't know the Which Way books. I'm not familiar with those very well. Yeah, we, well, they were like the Choose Your Own Adventure. Oh, okay, yeah, I get the okay. concept. I just uh, I just didn't know much yeah, about it. Yeah, it's funny. We talked about how that brand extended to characters that weren't even part of the line. I mean, it, you know, there was a Supergirl book, even though she was never part of the line. So that's how big the Superpowers branch was. Why she wasn't in Wave I 3 know, makes really, no sense. Seriously. Uh, well, I mean, I guess girl figures. You know, I guess they figured that that's what it was. By the way, can, can I say, too, speaking of the Superpower stuff, I've, I actually have been rereading... The Superpowers mm-hmm. miniseries, this, this, the second volume. So I think I mentioned on the show I couldn't get through the first volume. I just I couldn't do it again. It was that bad. But I've been rereading the second volume, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. And they have these great text pieces in the back where they talk about the characters' origins and stuff. So like it'd be a big text piece on Firestorm and a big text piece on Superman and stuff like that. I just read uh, the other day the issue of Green Lantern and and uh, Dr. Fate, and I, I think it's Wonder Woman, battling the Easter Island. That is good. Like, that I is love this. Fun. This is so much fun. <laughs> uh, we got a comment on the Superpower Show from Earth to Chris, who is always full of really great little pieces of information. He wrote, yesterday was Superpowers Day. I will admit, I'm not a regular listener to Fire and Water. Chris. I'll- well, Chris, Chris, Chris is, uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris is one of our, our sort of like resident historian commenters on our Who's yes. Who episodes. We hear from him and Anthony Durso when it's time to lay down the smackdown of, of, of D.C. history. And they come back with all this amazing stuff that we didn't even know. So he's sort of doing the same thing here with superpowers. Yes. I should also mention Chris is uh, the very first f- member of FOAM. He's the inaugural FOAM. There you member. go. Anyway, a few points on this new episode. The Superpower Skyscraper game has one-colored figural game pieces of Superman, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern, and the Joker, Penguin, Lex, and Brainiac. The heroes each have their own color, and the villains are all gray. It comes with the neat cardstock buildings you assemble and use as the game board. The coolest thing about this game is a hidden gem for comic geeks. The building artwork is by Marshall Rogers and Terry Austin. Yes, the classic Batman team of the late 70s. Rogers was an architectural student for breaking into comics, so it makes sense. Uh, yes. I think, I think he. Uh, I think Marshall Rogers do some, drew something. Yeah, he, well, that's too what early he mentioned on. it the first time. Was uh, I think it was the yeah. yeah one of the listings, and I said why was. I think it was the Batcave, maybe. Something like that. He did a couple of them. He did Atlantis, too, uh, which is a kind of architectural thing. Uh, anyway, he also wrote, The Play-Doh set included a small plastic Batmobile, no Play-Doh required, a Metropolis City playmat, and three molds with two characters on each mold. The characters you could make were Superman, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, 
Lex Luthor, and Joker. My daughter still plays with my childhood set today, and I have a minty one in the box. <laughs> I would have loved to play with that Play-Doh set. I, like, part of me thinks I had it, because it sounds so familiar, but I, don't, I can't imagine I did. But that would be so cool well, to so play with. you can with. get yourself invited over. I don't know. Chris is very friendly. <laughs> hey, Chris, can your daughter play? The comic series, without a doubt, the second series is the best. I do feel that Thiexton thinks maybe over, over Kirby the artwork. I know that sounds weird, but I think Thiexton tried to redouble Jack's efforts a bit too much here and on 99% of his Usu entries. The artwork became somewhat stiff and lost a lot of its energy due to this. I've seen Kirby's superpowers pencils over the years. That's something you just posted the other day on Firestorm Fan. <laughs> I did. In fact, the Superman... Like, I, I got to argue, I got to see Thixton sort of cover Jack's aging art. Just, I mean, we've said it before, and it's not a crack against Jack, because Jack has done literally thousands of amazing drawings. It's just by the mid-80s, his stuff wasn't as strong as it used to be. And the, the shot of Superman, he looks like Bizarro, he's so screwed up in the pencils. And in the inks, it's clean and looks good, so it's kind of like, yeah, I think Thixton helped more than he hindered. Okay, well, you two can duke it out when you go over there to play with the Play-Doh stuff. Uh, as for as for superpowers in general, this line came along just at the right time for me. I was nine years old in 1984. I'd been dying from the drought of superhero toys left by Migos' demise. When I saw that comic ad on the back of back covers of DC's line, I flipped to think I could own the Flash, Hawkman, Green Lantern. I originally thought they'd be Migos sides, but when I first saw the TV commercials, I was a bit disappointed, but I got over it really quickly. I was able to get most of the line over the next three years with only a few figures and vehicles escaping me. Delta Probe 1, The Bad Copter, I never saw one in stores, Mr. Freeze, again, never saw one, and Cyborg. I did see a Cyborg once, but I had to choose between him and Captain Marvel. It was tough, but the good Captain's historical significance won out. I still regret that move. <laughs> it's funny that you guys rip on the Calabac Boulder Bomber. I received it Christmas Eve 1985 at my grandparents' house. When my family came home late that night, I rushed into my parents' mud room to grab my Calabac figure so he could try out his sweet ride. There I saw a mountain of gifts covered by several blankets. My dad quickly shut the door and escorted me down the hall. I had found Santa's secret stash. Darkseid's agents had officially destroyed Christmas for me. Santa was dead. Another Another shameful moment involving superpowers was one I'm not proud of at all. I rarely tortured or destroyed my toys, but in the waning days of my toy playing days, I succumbed to peer pressure. I actually blew up my golden pharaoh figure with an M80. I never, That's awesome. <laughs> I never liked him. It felt he kept me from getting real characters like Nightwing, Batgirl, etc. I told my wife about it years <laughs> later, and she still gives me grief about it from time to time. I did buy the DC DC UC Golden Fair to kind of make up for it. Great show, guys. Thanks for the stroll down memory lane. And Shag's dark side voice is still killer. <laughs> I am totally going over to Earth 2 Chris's house. That is like I wish there was like a crappy VHS tape of him blowing up Golden Pharaoh. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And the whole Calabac Boulder Bomber it's story great. is fantastic. Great. I love his comedy. Way, for those of you who live in the South, I don't think I don't think we have mudrooms down here. Most of us wouldn't know what it is. It's more of a northern thing. At least as far as I know. like Because really, it's to get all the snow off you, really, before you come in the house, not mud. Yes and no. I mean, yeah, how- I mean it's, it's just used to just basically leave your shoes behind so you don't track in all the crap into the... I guess, yeah, because you guys don't get snow and, you know, all that much, so I guess yeah. that makes sense. So, anyway. But, man, I'm totally going over to Chris's house. We're going to play with the Play-Doh. We're going we're gonna to blow up some Golden Pharaoh That's figures. It. That's awesome. <laughs> um, got a nice email from Hector Negrete. Uh, after the super, oh, I have to read this one. Oh, jeez, 
All right, strap in, folks. There's going to be more mispronounced words than you can <laughs> imagine in this one. Anyway, uh, Hector Negrete wrote us about the superpowers part two. You may recall Hector was the one who gave us a lot of information about the Mexican superpowers figures. Uh, Super Poderos, I think is how I slaughtered it last time. So he says, Rob Shag, there is no academic or scientific way to explain exactly why some names were translated to Spanish and some don't. Oh, because we were talking about Aquaman was not Aquaman, but Aquaman with a C. And then... Other characters, like, I don't know, I don't remember who it was, but, like, Superman was just right, Superman. Right. Or, you know, whatever. It's like certain characters that got translated, certain didn't. Anyway, it continues. This may reside that Mexico was for a long time the sole producer or translations for Latin America or even Spain for TV show and some other printed media. Maybe the idea was to make names more catchy for children or Mexican names or even Latin American kids could relate to. This way, Kermit the Frog was La Rana Rene. I'm going to say all these wrong. FYI, dudes. This is horrible. Big Bird was... Abelardo. Fred Flintstone was Pedro Picia Piadra, and so on. The list would be huge. For comic books, the story is not so different, on which most characters had translations not only for their superhero name, but also for their secret identity. In this way, Batgirl was Baticha, which looks a lot like a few other words. Anyway, Green Arrow was Flecha Verde. That's my favorite one. I do like that. Fletcher Verde is pretty cool. Green Lantern, and he actually gave me pronunciation here. Thank you very much for that. Green Lantern was Linterna Verde. The true comical part was always the secret identity names. Bruce Wayne was Bruno Diaz. That's, That's awesome. Dick Grayson was Ricardo Tapia. Oliver Queen was Olivero Reina. Hal Jordan was Raul Jordan. Or, I'm sorry, Hordan. Raul Hordan. The list has its exceptions. The most notorious are, of course, Superman and Batman and the identity, and on the identities of Clark Kent. I don't know quite what I, if I follow that, but he's saying Clark Kent was just Clark Kent. This translations have been a part of a long-time discussion amongst fans, since a huge amount of people know the characters for their translated names, since, the, since for names there's no translation. But comic book fans have, the urge, have urged the publishers in Mexico to return everyone to their original names. Even now, the movies and TV series names are said in English. Around the 1980s, when the superpowers came to TV, in Mexico, the show was called El Show de los Superpoderosos, La Guardianes Galacticos. You know, in Spanish, that probably sounds really cool. So maybe the translator started feeling the translated names were not so cool as they intended. This was, uh, this, this way, most of the Transformers, yeah, I know you hate them, Rob, but it's for inter- international purposes. They kept their English names, since Bumblebee would sound terrible as Eberojo in Spanish. This first part's interesting to me. I didn't know this. Actually, Firestorm was called Rey Lampago, in which no way is a direct translation. That would be Tormito de Fuego. Uh, Rey Lampago is Lightning. So Firestorm actually had the name Lightning down there. Said he never felt good about that name, and since I had the Kenner toy way before I saw the TV show, for me it was always Firestorm. Maybe the Argentinian card game was done ahead of the character actually being translated for the show. Maybe the Argentinian producers felt like the English names were way more cooler than the translated ones. Aquaman, on the other hand, I can't recall if it had been translated. I can't remember if it had a translated name for Arthur Curry. But I can explain a little bit more why sometimes Aquaman was mistranslated as Acumen, which is A-C-U-A-M-A-N, and the second A has a tilde over it. The letter Q in Spanish is just used with the letter U to sound as a K, and it's just and it is just used to work with the letters E and I. So technically, the use of the syllable 
Q-U-A doesn't exist in Spanish, although most of the American comics in Mexico use the English title logo. But then again, it was pretty common to find the name Acumen in Spanish, a lovely hola for Mexico. Well, thank you, Hector. It was very factual, very informative about what was going on with superpowers down there. He goes on to say that uh, on Twitter over there as Bauhaus45, he said, I'm also a huge Daredevil fan, and I also like the movie. Take that, Rob. Okay. <laughs> well, you were, you were bashing on us I for liking just, the Daredevil okay. movie. Okay, I'm not, and, I just can't understand it. As we go through a few of these comments, there's a few people that stood up for the movie. So, Apparently when I was talking about Doctor Who, I mentioned Karen Gillian, and I missed an opportunity, so Hector helped me out here. He goes, Karen Gillian is hot. You missed your cue shag. I am going to rarely do that. I agree with that statement. <laughs> She's beautiful. That was also on Twitter. Oh, and finally he said, wait, there won't be another podcast de fuego y agua? Oh, man, we forgot our Spanish <laughs> lessons. Slipknot yes, Stinger. Yes, I love That's that. I love fun. the Slipknot Stinger. It's fantastic. That's sort of a who's who sort of thing, but if you listen to both, you get it. Now, I will. I got to give uh, Hector credit. I did contact him about the term podcast de fuego y agua to make sure that was an accurate translation. So I was like, I need your help. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, we got an email from Carlos Muka. Uh, about the Superpowers Part 2. I've known Carlos for a long time. He's been a big supporter of the Aquaman Shrine. He actually had sent me a bunch of Superpowers-related stuff, uh, which I should have mentioned when we did the Part 2. I apologize that I didn't. He runs a um, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, uh, fan page on Facebook. And you can just go to Facebook.com, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez fans. And it has, as he says, on there you can see every page of those sticker albums and the uh, card game featuring all the uh, superpowers artwork. You can see every bit of it. This has over 2,500 members, and I think even has like, occasional appearances from the man himself. So um, if you're a fan of Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise his name, and you should be, uh, you should go to Facebook and become a fan of that page because you see tons and tons of awesome JLGL work. So, Oh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's the Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, page yep. out there. Absolutely, absolutely. By the way, I was listening to another podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm sidetracking for a second. I was listening to another podcast the other day called Just One of the Guys by Sean Engel. And uh, it's about Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner. And he mentions Ho- Jose Luis Garcia and says, Praise Oh, that's name. great. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. It's spreading it like is. a uh, We got a com- – oh, yes? Well, I was going to say, he did ask if we know who drew the Superpowers mini comics. Uh, no. I know some of it, but I don't remember all of them offhand, and I want to try and do some more research to find out. Maybe we'll do Superpowers Part 3 or something and talk about those guys. A lot of them were, you know, like, in-house guys. Some of them, at least they were written by, like, some of the in-house guys. I know Paul Kupperberg wrote some of them. But, uh, no, I don't know the artwork offhand. I want to do a little more research on that. We got a comment from Bradley Null over on Facebook. I, I, when we had talked about the WTF covers and of coming up for DC Comics, the Firestorm cover, I was speculating that Slipknot would be on the cover. And I said, can I get a hell yeah? And Bradley Null said, the best part of listening to the Firewater podcast on my iPod is I can give a hell yes to Slipknot being on the cover. And for me, it just <laughs> happened, which meant he said it the same time I did. So good. All right. Thank Great. you, Bradley. Uh, we got, oh, I'm sorry. Jack, no, this okay. one's for me. So this is from Jack Dower. He was an email. He wrote to me. He said, Shag, I'm very sorry that DC canceled the Fury of Firestorm in May. It was a fantastic title. It would be missed. It has so piqued my interest in the character, and I will still be looking into the back issues. I also look forward to your covering his upcoming role in Justice League. <laughs> this gets a, this stuff, 
Jack is one of our well-known commenters who loves the penguin, by the way. Like, and we give the penguin a really hard time in this show. So the rest of this is a little crazy. So, I mean, he's like, he needs to be medicated. Anyway, he goes, uh, when I was a kid, I picked up Brave and the Bold, issue number 194 or 196, something like that. On the cover, Batman is bursting into the room accusing Joker of murdering Penguin. I see Joker standing over an obviously dead Oswald Cobblepot. My young mind reeled. DC can't kill Penguin. He's been around forever. And he even has a superpowers action figure. This must be a bizarre nightmare. To my great Sergein. Chagrin? Chagrin. How do you say that? Was that how you Chagrin? Oh, sorry. <laughs> to my great chagrin, I opened the book and I couldn't believe my eyes. Joker Smiley. Smiley says Ozzy was on the opening page and he dies in front of Gotham City camera crews. I dropped the book and cried. I felt like DC was rejecting me as a fan. <laughs> He's taking it, it took so my, personal. It took my, I know. It took my little brother a, a month to convince me to finish the comic when I discovered <laughs> it was all part of a plot by the master of foul play, I like how foul plays in capital letters, to kidnap the Cardinal of Gotham while framing the Joker. Then I learned that the death or cancellation of comics is just an excuse for another character reboot. So take heart. Our favorite match head will be back again in a starring role. You just got to believe. The question is really for Rob, which Aquaman death or cancellation affected you the most and why? Always riding the wave and fanning the flame, regardless of cancellations, Jack J. Dower, and his P.S. is great. They had to take me off the sales floor of Sears at when Burgess Meredith died. Because I know I have issues. Tom Baker forever, in spite of the disdain of Aquaman's. <laughs> Tom Baker's a Doctor Who reference. So, Rob, which Aquaman cancellation or death has bothered you the most? Uh, before I go on to that, I just want to mention the issue of Brave and the Bold that he's referring to. It was Brave and Bold 191, just so you know. Great Jim Aparo cover. Nerd. Yeah, okay. Uh, whoa, shocking accusation. Um, I, I, I would say the one that bothered me the most personally was, um, well, I mean the one in the seventies cause that the book was canceled without even being told that the book was canceled. And in fact, at the end of Aquaman number 63, there's a little blurb at the end that says next issue available like in three weeks or whatever, five weeks or whatever it was. And there was never another issue. So that, re- but you weren't reading it. Yeah, that it was. Time, I thought the I thought the miniseries was your first no, Aquaman book. No, 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 oh, no. Okay. I, in fact, the the copy of Aquaman number sixty three I have from nineteen seventy seven is the same copy I had that I bought when I was six. I have the same exact. Okay. Copy. Um, but I, I will admit I don't remember the book being canceled. I think at, at that age I just you know comic I just bought whatever comics I could find. I don't think I like consciously were like, hey, they stopped making Aquaman. Um, the one that bothered me the most in terms of like I thought a good book cut down in its prime and not to suck up but was when Dan Jurgens was writing it um, and mm. drawing it with Steve Epting. Like, he, he was handed the book after Eric Larson had had his run on it, which was you know, definitely not popular. And he turned it around creatively, and he got, you know, see if this sounds familiar, not enough time to change it. And, and so the book was canceled as of number 75, which is still the farthest Aquaman has ever gotten on his own series. So that really bothered me. So I'd say that one is probably the most bothersome because I really felt like they turned it around, and then, you know, they gave Jurgens and Epting a year, and they're like, no, nope, we're done. Canceled. So, that's Yeah, that was just yeah. disappointing, because that was a great yep. run. They did a lot in that run. Yep, absolutely. Mm. Uh, we got another email about the Power Records episode, from, from again, from Jack. Ahoy, Fleet Commander. You asked us to let you know if you enjoyed the Power Records episode. I'd like to hear more. I vote yes. I would love to hear some more, especially if you have a story containing the Penguin. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Jack, 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 Jack. <laughs> 
Question. Now, now, wait a minute. Well, I can't ridicule him too much. I mean, I do run a Firestorm blog. Yes, you do run I, an Aquaman blog. His love of Penguin is... We, we live in a glass house, No, but house, I don't work friend. Aquaman into every conversation I have. He seems to work Penguin into every single email, is what I'm saying. You're right. It's either Aquaman or Bob Dylan. No, that's not... No. Uh, yeah, really? yeah. I don't mention Bob Dylan at all. To, yeah. what, were we talk, what were we talking about before? Because we I just recording? saw him in concert, but I don't mention him other than that. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Uh, anyway, Jack, well, I don't. Bl- there. Are, this is me. Yeah, getting there, your are, go. <laughs> there are no uh, power records featuring the Penguin. I'm sorry, there is not. There's the Joker. There's Riddler. Um, there's Scarecrow, but they never did a Penguin. So sorry. Um, and now he's here. He's asked for the web address. Here oh, yeah. Powerrecord.blogspot.com. Powerrecord.blogspot.com. I like here. Also, was Shazam used in honor of Shag's love for the character? Uh, no, I, I <laughs> love I love really? Captain Marvel. I always did. Well, clearly, he's been listening to the Who's Who episodes where I apparently bashed Captain Marvel harder than I intended to. And now I have a reputation for hating Captain Marvel, which is ironic because Rob actually has a whole section of his website dedicated to hating that's Captain right. Marvel. That's right, I do. <laughs> no, I, 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 don't, I don't hate Captain Marvel. In fact, I really enjoyed the Jerry Ordway stuff. It was really good. I just uh, I don't care for pre-crisis Captain Marvel no. that much. Uh, I, don't, I, I like Captain Marvel a lot. I just blame DC for loading up merchandise with him instead of Aquaman. But, of course, I totally understand because uh, uh, Captain Marvel had his own TV show. You know, I understand that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he makes up his... I, I do like... Yes. I do like in all of Jack's emails how he's really embraced the concept of nuclear subs and calls us, uh, he always says, Ahoy Fleet yes. Commanders. I love that. And he makes up his own catchphrases. He says, always fanning the flame, riding the wave, tying the slip knot, scavenging the ocean floor, and loading the umbrella. So in case, <laughs> in case we ever do a, a Penguin podcast, which we probably won't be doing. So, And we got another email from Jack about Superpowers Part 2 episode, and he wrote... Ahoy Fleet Commanders. The Superpowers Annual was another fun, informative, and insightful episode. Thank you for it. Of course, now we have found the root cause of Rob's fanatical penguin hate. Seeing, seeing how the master <laughs> of foul play defeated and humiliated the chicken or um, king of the sea twice. See the mini-comic in issue two of the Superpowers series on Aquaman attempts to use fish on the Bumbershoot Bandit. Being... being, being cla- <laughs> These are great names. Being clobbered by your own fish could be the cause of anyone's cobblepot inferiority complex. As usual, yours and Rob's stellar coverage got me thinking. Here's my question. The Superpowers storyline had a great effect on DC Comics in an amazingly brief period of time, and you both brilliantly pointed out. So if you were to construct a toy line centering on Firestorm and Aquaman just to have as big an effect, how would you do it? Who would be in it? What about vehicles, playsets, and accessories? The fully articulated Slipknot and Scavenger figures go without saying, but who else would get that treatment? Always fanning the flame and riding the wave, Jack J. Dower. P.S. Rob, replacing Penguin with the Riddler would not have helped you. Eddie would have kicked Aquaman's butt also. Shag, I have never read Just Like Detroit, but I am loving this new Vibe series. Is it a mini or ongoing? What do you think of it, having been a Vibe fan for years, with this version of him support an ongoing series? Uh, very quickly, to answer the Just League Detroit uh, stuff, you should go back and read it. It's it's worth the time capsule and history of it. Uh, Vibe is an ongoing series until it's canceled. Uh, I read the first two issues. I enjoyed it. I am not buying it anymore. Uh, I cut back actually quite a few books recently, and uh, Vibe did not make the cut. So it's not that I disliked it. It's just that I didn't like it enough. So, but I am going to read about him in Justice League of America. So hopefully, I'll that was that was that was so. four you just did right there in that answer. So, I just did one. Yep. Seriously? Yep. 
Now, if so is part of a sentence. No, no, no. Count. You ended it with you ended. You spoke a sentence and then you went. So, so four right down. All right, <laughs> great. Superpowers toy line surrounded, d- d- built on Aquaman and Firestorm. I think the that's problem huge, with your that's question. A huge question, Jack. <laughs> Well, not just that. It go, the very core of the question is, is is a false premise because you said a, a toy line center on Firestorm and Aquaman having just as big yeah, of that's an effect. That's not going to happen. That wouldn't yeah. happen. <laughs> it's like, ooh, man, should I buy the Doreen Day <laughs> with a Laureen Riley figure? I just I don't know. I can send in proof of purchases to get the exclusive Felicity Smoke action figure. <laughs> um, in terms of Aquaman, I mean, obviously, an Aquaman toy line would be the coolest thing ever in history. It's never going to happen unless they, the they make a movie. But I will say, Jeff Johns has done a great job of building up the universe. So if, say, let's say DC decided they wanted to do it, you could do, you know, think about it. You could get a whole line out of Aquaman, Mira, Tula, Ocean Master, the others. I mean, right, uh, Scavenger. I mean, right there, that's like 10 figures. So I mean, you know. Well, to be fair, there there have been Aquaman, Mera, Aqualad, and Black yes, Manta figures, but not a whole toy line based on Aquaman. So true. Uh, I just I just did it there myself. Oh man, it's it's, it's catching. Um, and you could do the Ice Giant uh, would be the figure you do the male. You know, like each figure comes with like an arm or a leg, and you build the Ice Giant out of the different pieces. That's how you could do that. Oh, yeah. the new guy, the, yeah, new, the new Ice, Ice King? King guy. You could do that. <laughs> Firestorm would clearly have Firestorm. Firehawk, <coughs> um, Killer Frost. You know, then you might get into well, of course, Slipknot. I mean, that would that'd be your mail away yeah, figure yeah. right there. You, you you could get into you know Multiplex and Hyena and Typhoon and Plastique. You know, things like that. Vehicle wise, I don't. I, I mean, Aquaman's got some vehicles. Aquaman would have the seahorse. Aquaman would have you know the 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 sea dew that he used to ride in the, in the cartoon. Firestorm's doesn't I can't think of a vehicle for Firestorm at all, you know? No, I couldn't either. And I can't even I can't even remember Ronnie having a car. You know, I mean, Jason had a car for a little while, but that was it. So I, I can't come up with any sort of vehicles at all. But playsets, you know, it, of course he'd hang out in the Justice League playset. You know, the Watchtower or the um, the satellite. Probably playset. a, be, um, a Star Labs playset. There, there should be a Star Labs playset. That would be rocking. You know, you could even get a Rampage figure out of that one. <laughs> You probably don't even know who that is. I do, do you? know who that is. Okay, good. So that you know, and then like you said, that you'd have your Felicity Smoke <laughs> and your Doreen Day and Lorraine Riley, and now it would be kind of cool if you could get some sort of like three pack that had like a Martin Stein, Ronnie Raymond, and Firestorm figure. That'd be that pretty be rad. Good. Because I can't imagine Professor Stein would, you know, other than me and Robert Gross would buy a standalone Professor Stein action figure. So. That's another one. Thank you. Uh, we got, thank you for yes, did I do you, it? Say thank you for those Jeez. emails, Jack. We really do appreciate it. Uh, I think maybe you need to start a penguin blog. Uh, totally. You, know, you pat your, your passion for this character seems to know no bounds. And as far as I know, penguin is not covered in the blogosphere. So maybe you're the man to do it. And I think there's certainly enough material. Absolutely, he's been around for seventy years almost. I mean, there's definitely more material than there is for yeah, Firestorm. Yeah, he's been around. He's been around since like 1941 or two. So yeah, yeah, right, absolutely. Uh, we got an email on episode number 45 from Lucien Dazar. I just wanted to tell you, I listened to your podcast for the first time and I enjoyed it. It's a great review of the issues. What makes it entertaining is that you two bicker just like two comic book fans do in a store. 
I don't know what you're talking about. No we get idea. along perfectly fine. Women, if we knew of one, I look forward to listening to the previous episodes you have posted. Thanks, Lucian. Well, thank you, Lucian. We really appreciate when new people try out the show, and we're glad that you like it. Lucian is clearly uh, someone who listens and pays attention because when he sent us his email, he included a pronunciation yes, index. That's so. Right. <laughs> he has clearly heard me slaughter a lot of things. So he said, I better tell him how to pronounce my name. And then he sent up a follow-up email on episode 48, which is the 18s issue. Brilliant. And we moved to brilliant podcast as always, which is fantastic. Right to that. I must confess your previous podcast on Vibe and JLA had me fooled. I almost picked up a Vibe issue because of that podcast. What? Well, now, now, wait a minute. It, it is fair to say that the Vibe comic's worth reading. You know, I just said I don't. I'm not continuing to collect it, but I read the first two and I enjoyed them. I just I had to make some choices. I I would rather spend my time reading um, Micronauts from 1982. I'm not kidding. <laughs> than uh, the current incarnation of Vibe. Hey, That's just where I want to put Gold. my time. Wrong with Michael Gold. Uh, well, I've Pat moved Roderick. on. I've even got I've even got okay. to the Pat Roderick issues. Now I'm on the ones that aren't and, as great. And but, in terms of the Vibe thing, like the comments that we made about the issues were not jokes. The, the concept, right. the episode I mean, concept was a joke, but we, we weren't, and, we weren't goofing the on the review. Over the top, over the top enthusiasm right. was a joke. But I mean, but but, yeah. but when, you know, when we talked about the particular issue itself, they were mostly real. Yeah. So another one, thank you. Anyway, so he said he, uh, so he said he almost picked up the vibe issue. He said it would have been a tragedy because it would have prevented me from using my money towards purchasing previous volumes of Aquaman and Firestorm. Yeah, we don't want that. So perhaps next year's April Fool's podcast should be about Topo. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what pet Firestorm would have, which is an entirely another tangent. Which, why don't more superheroes have super pets? It all stemmed from Superman having crypto, which I think contributed to Aquaman having his pets, since it was so close to the same era. Memo to self, email Bob Harris to adopt this idea in the entire New 52. Wouldn't it be great to have an all-superhero pet one-shot? Now, I emailed him back. Uh, this is stepping away from the email. Telling him he should check out Pet Adventures from Marvel. And he should check out the DC Super Pets books that – who's publishing uh, them? Exactly. So now, for all I know, Lucy's just screwing <laughs> around here. But those are out there. So this is back to the show. Great banter. Shag needs to hulk up his Firestorm intro. But he was sick, so kudos to him for even being able to do the podcast in the first place. Also, a fitting tribute to Carmen Infantino, despite him having only a minor contribution to Aquaman's legacy. Now, it's, uh, to be fair, yes, I – I realized last episode that I kept saying Firestorm, which sounds not nearly manly enough, so from now on it's Firestorm. So That's another one. Thank you. <laughs> this is great. You know what? They're probably in all the old podcasts and nobody's ever Someone is going to die tonight. I just know. I'm listening to this show. <laughs> someone, someone is getting liquor poisoning uh, and it's going to be our fault. So. It's Frank. You know, it's Frank. Bit, I, he's got, no, I bet Frank can handle he's liquor. Got, he's gotten drunk listening to yeah, our shows Frank before. Can handle liquor. I, bet, I bet Frank has strained great many liquor through his liver, so I think he's... <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want the youngins to, to... Frank's like those winers who take a loaf of bread and pour mouthwash through him to get oh, out I mean, pure if, alcohol. If Frank was in jail, he'd be making toilet wine within a day. <laughs> That's out of my mind. So, got him. Got a comment from Ange, who's our buddy who runs the Supergirl blog. He, uh, this is on the April Fool's episode we did about Vibe. He said, I was pleasantly surprised with Vibe. I never thought I would buy a Vibe book, but the Detector of Incursions hook sounded interesting. And, and Supergirl scribe Sterling Bates takes over issue number three. I also love seeing Pariah in the holding cells. And the foreman, which we were wondering about, is actually a scissorman 
from uh, the Grant Morrison's first run on Doom Patrol. So great catch, Ange. And he said, great podcast. Thanks. Absolutely. Got a comment from Randy Caldwell over on Brace Yourselves <laughs> on Google+. Plus. What? It's, what, what? I know. <laughs> and it was about the Vibe episode. For those oh, of you it was who were a listening. Joke, so he did it on Google+. Plus. I get it. Dang. Ooh, snap. <laughs> For those of you who paid close attention to the Vibe podcast, we did a listener feedback segment. But in it, we combined people's names. So in that one, instead of Randy Caldwell and Hector Negrete, we called him Hector Caldwell. Anyway, I thought I it was clever. I spent time. I spent time writing all those. Anyway, he said uh, I was going to post something about the Vibe and Water podcast, but obviously I refrained. Another fun episode. I'd like the name Hector Caldwell. It's a vast improvement over Randy. Uh, apparently, he likes mythology because he goes, "I have a dog named Homer, an old power book G four named Agamemnon, and a Greco Roman helmets on my Amazon wish list." It took me a while to figure out what that comment meant until I figured Hector was a <laughs> mythological name. So. I picture I, I picked, uh, pictured Randy with all his uh, you know Greek related things like at that end of uh, Watchmen, where a night owl has to guess the password of Ozymandias and it's Ramses too. I just picture like you'd be able to hack Randy's laptop just by guessing Greek names. You know, you'd figure it out eventually. <laughs> Sooner or later, Cerberus. No, yeah, damn. Heracles. No, Keep right, eventually. Uh, we got I got a comment on the vibe episode from uh, Abel Padilla. Uh, when I first heard the opening song, I thought you were going to announce that the FAWP was going to become the all-new Vibe podcast. All Vibe all the time. <laughs> I was expecting a full-on April Fool's Day event. Woo! Still, the Vibe takes over some of the focus from Firestorm until a new Firestorm animated series is announced. That's cool with me. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, Abel, but uh, thank you for the comment, nevertheless. Definitely not. Uh, got a comment from Roger Preeb. He's our buddy who did the Jerry Conway DVD interview. He said, uh, it's on the Superpowers episode, thanks to Stupid Shag Matthews at Fire and Water Podcast for them talking about the Superpowers cartoons. I had to pick this up today, and he posted a picture of the Superpowers team, Galactic Guardians on DVD. <laughs> he also wrote in, now here's someone who gets the joke, folks. This is a man who gets the joke. He wrote in on the Vibe April Fool's Day joke, which was episode 47 of the Fire and Water Podcast, by the way. He wrote in, I really enjoyed episode 31 where you guys reviewed each issue of All-Star Vibe, 12-issue series by Alan Moore, drawn by Brian Bolin. Can't wait for DC Comics to put them all on one big hardcover this Christmas. See? Got he it. got he it. Got it. <laughs> he played along. Thank you, Roger. Uh, we got an email from Mike Gillis. Uh, he said, hey, guys, in the time I've been listening to Fire and Water, I've noticed something. Whenever the subject of Peter David's beard and hook run on Aquaman comes up, Rob always sounds ambivalent about it. I know it was a major departure from the classic look and feel of the King of the Seas, but it remains the longest ongoing series that the character has ever gotten. I need to know, what does Rob think of the David run on the character, Mike? Uh, Yes, I am ambivalent about it because it is my least favorite run of the character. I acknowledge, I've said this before, that Peter David brought Aquaman to a level of popularity that the character had not achieved for probably 20 years previous. So he absolutely deserves all of the credit in the world for making the book like a quasi-hot book. Um, so to all props to Peter David for doing what he did. I'm just not a fan of the look. I'm not a fan of the approach. Uh, I'm, I'm not, to me, uh, like he really leaned in heavily on the fantasy aspect of Aquaman, and that's my least favorite part of the character. So, um, and I just, the whole long flowing hair, the metal shirt, 
you know, it's just it's just not my favorite thing. I, I've tried to do it. I know that on the shrine it gets probably the least amount of coverage because, like I said, I just tend to, you know, lean more towards the stuff that I'm interested in. But I do try and give it as much attention as I can um, because it deserves it. It's an error from the character, and it's a long error of the character. And, you know, the hook for the hand version, like, it made it into merchandise. You know, it was it was big enough that they, it, it, you know, there was there was products made with it, so it wasn't like it was some transitory thing. So, so yeah, if you detect ambivalence, uh, Mike, it's because it's there. Uh, we got another email from Mike. Well, yeah. hold, hold on. I'll just chime in real quick. And this is where Rob shows that he, you know, is an idiot. Because the, the Peter David run of Aquaman, I think, was great. Absolutely loved it. It is a product of the 90s. I mean, you look at it, and it is fairly 90s-ish. However, you get Peter David's sense of humor. You get some amazing art um, by oh, Mar- Marty Eglin. Yeah, Marty Eglin. Yeah, I love that artwork. I think it was a fun series. I liked Aquaman as the surly, angry Aquaman. I think, you know, after what had happened with his son, after everything finding out about his history, everything with Mara, I think it was it was merited. It worked really well. I enjoyed Dolphin being entered in the mix. I enjoyed the whole Aqua world, like the big big episode where the you get all the Aqua characters together from Atlantis. You get Aaron, you get Power Girl, you get Aquaman, Neptune Perkins, Tsunami. I mean, all of them are there together. I love that stuff. So... I think it was a great run. Peter Davis' run was fantastic. And uh, actually, it's been one of those that's been in the back of my mind thinking, you know, I think I need to reread that sometime soon. So, Okay. I ended it with a so, damn it, I did it, it again. You can't help yourself. Uh, we got another email from Mike uh, about uh, uh, Jesus Says. He says, I was surprised you didn't recognize Jesus Says' work. He was the artist who drew an excellent story in Brave and the Bold a few years back where Aquaman teamed up with Etrigan the Demon about a Cthulhu at the bottom of the ocean. Yes, I do. I, we actually made a big deal about that on the Shrine because it was the first appearance of classic Aquaman post-Sword of Atlantis. So we did a whole thing about it. I do remember that and do remember that he drew... Oh, you you had a big yeah, campaign. Yeah, we had a big campaign That's about right. it. Um, I even interviviewed uh, J. Michael Straczynski, the guy that wrote it. Um, I, I do remember that he drew it and I do remember that as a great comic. I just forgot that... that when we were recording that episode, that yes, of course, that uh, that he worked on that issue. So thanks for the catch, Mike, because that's absolutely correct. And that is a good book. If you can find that in a comic store, which you should, it's only a couple years old. That's a fun story: Aquaman and the Demon versus Cthulhu. There's a, there's a quite a few of those good stories in that, that Brave good, and the Bold run. There's a book. great one with uh, Hal Jordan with Doctor mm-hmm. Fate. That was a good book. Good. That was a good book. Yeah. Got an email from my buddy Jason Pope. He is a big time matchhead. And I uh, actually got to meet Jerry Conway. He had this great story about how he got to meet Jerry Conway recently. And it was uh, the same day his child was being born. So he had to, like, coordinate his schedule to be there for both. And uh, before you start going, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he skipped out. No, his wife was telling him, this is your chance to meet Jerry Conway. You've waited your whole life. You have to go. Me and the baby will be here when That's you get back. a lot of pressure back. on Jerry. So. <laughs> I tell you, I know. <laughs> so um, he wrote in, he goes, what do you think of this? And this is his dream series. A team book entitled DC Elemental, starring, Aquaman, uh, starring Firestorm, Aquaman, Red Tornado, and Swamp Thing, representing fire, water, air, and earth. My four favorite characters in one book. How could it fail? Well, I can tell you how it could fail. Because it's starring Firestorm, Aquaman, Red Tornado, and Swamp Thing. That's how it would fail, Jason. That's this jack, I don't think I'd love Swamp Thing in with that. He's, he's pretty popular. Uh, he's had his own book canceled quite a few times, so I don't know. And a, a TV series, ago. and an animated series. 
Should we and sing the song? Line. Swamp Thing. <laughs> that was the worst <laughs> show in history. <laughs> oh my gosh. So but um, for me personally, I, you know, I would love the Elemental series. If they did it, I would want it to be full on. Like, I would want it to be fired from the Elemental version from the Ostringer, you know, Mandrake series, not the current Firestorm. If, if they were to do it more of a superhero style thing, you know, it was Firestorm as he is now, I don't think you could do it with Swamp Thing. I think you'd have to find someone else, like maybe Martian Manhunter, to represent Earth, like he did in, what was it called, uh, Brightest Day. And uh, Red Tornado, rather than Hawkman, by the way, makes a lot more sense as the air elemental. Sorry, Luke. Nothing against Hawkman, but having him represent the air elemental didn't make a lot of sense in Brightest Day to me. So I, it would be a fun book. I just don't think it would work. Rob? No, I agree with that. I, I agree with the Red Tornado. I mean, making, you know, that, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm a big fan of, like, teaming up characters in small groups. I think that's a fun idea. Yeah, I think it would be an awesome miniseries. They'd go fight, you know, environmental things or something like that. That'd be fun. So, I just, uh, and and again, I would rather see a full-on elemental thing, like Firestorm the Elemental, Swamp Thing the Elemental, you know, uh, maybe not Aquaman, maybe Nyad or something like that, you know. It it just, go, if you haven't, oh, of course you've read it, Jason, never mind. I was about to say, go read the Elemental War and Firestorm, but of course you've read that. I'm a fool. (laughs) Uh, we got a comment on the shrine from Tim Wallace. Finished the whole show on the way to work. Brought back some memories. Oh, this, I'm sorry, the power about the power. I'm sorry. As a kid, I inherited a few of these from my cousin, Batman, G.I. Joe, and Star Trek. I should mention, just as an aside, G.I. Joe is not actually Power Records. It is the same format. It's a book and record set, but it's not Power Records. But never mind. And, Nerd. Yeah, absolutely. And Star Trek. I wonder if I still have them tucked away somewhere. Hope to hear more of these in the future, or maybe I'll just slack at work for a bit and go check out Rob's Power Records blog. <laughs> so there were Star Trek there Power were, Records? With art by Neil Adams. What, was it just like one narrator, or did they use the guy's voices? For uh, n- it, no, it was different characters, but they were not any of the actors from the series. There is okay. a Star Trek right. um, Power Record where he is, they, the crew of the Enterprise essentially meets Conan the Barbarian. They can't That's call awesome. him Conan. But but it, but it was drawn. Part of the book was drawn by John Buscema, so it looks like okay. it's Conan. That's <laughs> everything but Conan. Um, I thought you were going to say Barry oh, Windsor yeah, Smith. No. See, I, I would love to see because I figured in that era, you know, Star Trek the animated series was going on, and those were right, all the original right. voice actors. So this that would have been a little a after little that. Segment. The animated series was early seventies. This is late. This is like mid to late seventies. But yeah, um, one thing I, I don't want to forget before we get off of this: Tim Wallace is part of the character blog family now. He's created a blog about Blue Beetle called cordindustries.blogspot.com and it is focused entirely on the Blue Beetle. So uh, if you're a Blue Beetle fan, go and check it out. I am totally going to check good, that out. That's blog. awesome. Tim's a, Tim's a great guy, so uh, check it out, everybody. Uh, we got a comment, again, from Tim about the Superpowers Part 2 episode on the Aquaman Shrine. I loved, and still do, actually, my Superpowers toys. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, but I still managed to get a lot of these figures and two vehicles. I still have them all, too. Aquaman, Batman, Robin, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Cyclotron, Samurai, Tornado, <laughs> Dr. Fate, Plastic Man, Green Arrow, Shazam, Darkseid, Joker, Poop, Penguin, Luthor, and the Supermobile and Lexor 7, which does look a little Star Wars-esque. Oh, God. And I still have a carded Green Arrow, too, even though the bubble is all yellow now. He has a bright orange marked down sticker on him. Not to mention the Toy Biz knockoffs, Aquaman, Superman, Batman, Joker, Two-Face, and the Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Green Arrow, Kevin Costner matchup. I worked part-time at <laughs> the toy store when I got these. Grumpy old man time. Why don't I make toys like they used to? <laughs> <laughs> make toys like these nowadays, yeah. Um, 
I will just say real quick, uh, Tim, no firestorm? What the hell? You, you got cyclotron, cyclotron but no firestorm? Dude. I don't know if I want to check out that court industry blog now. <laughs> I'm going to mention this is the first of a number of comments from people agreeing with me that the Lexor 7 looks like the Snowspeeder from Empire Strikes Back. Yawn. That's very exciting to me because there's going to be a lot of Rob is rights coming up. Let me try this. Yawn. So. <laughs> Drink. Uh. <laughs> Got a, a series of comments here from Luke Dobb who uh, wrote our wrote and helped uh, put together that Firestorm song we ran a couple episodes ago, which is awesome, and did the awesome drawing of Firestorm after the cancellation. I mean, the the most dastardly creative man alive, Luke Dobb. So. Very frustrating. <laughs> You're frustrated yes, how creative he is? <laughs> I had a Facebook comment on the uh, one issue where we talked about Aquaman and Firestorm and JLA number 16. He just said, great episode, guys. Great 16s all around. Uh, got a nice email from him about the Firestorm cancellation listener feedback episode. said, I have to tell you what a great job you guys are doing with the show. When I drove home today, all I wanted to do was turn my car around and head home. It being a Monday, and anyway, you know, how you, everyone feels that way on Mondays. Arriving at work, I clicked on my computer, hung up my jacket, and did what all productive employees do, check Twitter. <laughs> the reminder of the new Firewater podcast lifted my spirits. I just completed listening to the show. The morning is nearly over. My first major project for the day is completed. I am well on my way to enjoying the day. So thanks, guys. Despite our, the sour scent of Firestorm's cancellation hanging in the air, this was a fun episode. I do have, did have a few thoughts to share, though. You are correct, Shag. Hordak is a She-Ra villain. Uh, what happened was Daniel Cynical Alan Adams listed his favorite list of like characters, and he included Hordak in there. And I gave him all kinds of crap about that being from She-Ra. So, because Daniel Cynical Adams and I, you know, we go way back. We're real tight and get along all the time, especially when he likes to bring up Captain Marvel. Douchebag. Anyway, so, said Hordak is a She-Ra villain. Mr. Cynical, you have some splaining to do. I fully endorse your inclusion of He-Man in your list of favorite heroes, but listing Hordak as a favorite villain, I say thee nay! <laughs> I don't care if Hordak was Skeletor's mentor. He needs to go. And in case you're wondering how I know that tidbit of Hordak trivia, check out the He-Man and She-Ra special on Netflix. I may have also watched a few episodes of She-Ra over my sister's shoulder. Over the last month, I've been making my way through the entire He-Man series on Netflix. It's been a delightfully nostalgic, if not somewhat repetitive. Regarding Doctor Who, <clears throat> let me, <clears throat> I just want to get this part right. <clears throat> <clears throat> Here we go. There we go. I think I'm. I think I'm fully prepared now for this part. Regarding Doctor Who, Rob. Period. Is. Period. Wrong. Period. Thank you for that. I like that. Anyway, Doctor Who is amazing. I discovered the latest incarnation on Netflix three years ago and became an instant fan despite nobody knowing what I was talking about. To not like Doctor Who is to not be watching it. Furthermore, I resent the notion of nerd hierarchy. We don't need to be eating our own. As ridiculed fans of Aquaman and Firestorm, we should be more empathetic. All right, fine. Uh, it sure is fun hearing about all the action everyone is getting wearing Rob's T-shirts. Do tell. Actually, don't tell. <laughs> that said, I think Rob has a great opportunity for a marketing approach to selling T-shirts online. 100% action guaranteed. Perhaps customers can place their orders on layaway. Wow. As a former Steam Award winner, I have a qualm with Mr. Burbage's <laughs> winning tactics. Stop raising the bar, sir. Baking cookies? Really? Is that chocolate chip on your nose? Ooh, ooh, hey, Rob, let me wash your car. Oh, hey, Shag, can I pick up this dry cleaning? This needs to stop now. What a racket this become, could become. What he's referring to is uh, for people that write into the Fire and Water podcast, if you go above and the beyond, 
in whatever you've done there, whether it be to support the show or just share information, uh, we award certain people with a Steam Award. And Mr. Russell Burbage mailed us cookies, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't hear that previous episode. Actual Aquaman-related cookies. So um, he wanted, needless to say, he certainly won an award. And anyone else that used to send us baked goods that don't kill us would also win an award. Especially chocolate brownies. I'm a fan of chocolate brownies. Anyway, in the shape of Firestorm symbols. <laughs> I'm going I'm gonna, to I'm gonna really make it hard now. It's got to be the nuclear symbol if you're, if you're going to win a brownie. <laughs> Accompanied by an envelope full of cash. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, with everyone listening to their favorite superheroes, I thought I'd list mine. Aquaman, Firestorm, Nightwing, Batgirl, Hawkgirl, The Wonder Twins, Iceman, Firestar. Thank you, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And Nightcrawler. You know, that's actually, uh, this is shy. That's a pretty damn good list. Uh, anyway, I'm also considering adding the Apache Chief to the list. Whenever someone tells me their favorite DC character is Batman, I automatically think, oh, you're so boring then. <laughs> that's it. Thanks for getting me through the Monday Blues. Actually, thanks to the entire Fire, Fire and Water podcast community. I love hearing your responses. Luke Dobb. Absolutely true, guys. Uh, oh, you want uh, to do the, the, the next one because you were talking about Firestorm? Sure, yeah. He did this amazing drawing of Firestorm with his back turned, sort of slumping his shoulders, and it just says sigh. And it was about the Firestorm cancellation. It perfectly sums up my feelings. And by the way, here's something now. I'm going to say it now, guys. And for those of you who are still listening in hour four of this podcast, <laughs> um, if you're not, I'll, I'll share the word later. When Firestorm number 20 comes out, this was an idea that came from Hector Negrete, by the way. I would, I would like to ask any match heads or even uh, Aquanauts out there, Please change your social media icon for the day, uh, whether it be on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Pinterest, whatever. <laughs> change it to Luke Dobbs drawing a Firestorm with his back turned. I'm going to put it out there for everyone to use Luke Dobbs drawing a Firestorm going, <sighs> sighing on the day Firestorm number 20 gets out. There's a hashtag we'll put out there uh, to try and get just – just to let the world know that the Firestorm fans are – it's not to say that we're not happy, but just to show that we're supporting the book and we're sad to see it go. So just to know there still are Firestorm fans out there. So I'll put more information out there as we get closer, but folks, just prepare yourself for that. So anyway, we put the drawing out there, and it drew a whole slew of comments, very complimentary comments. In fact, even Dan Jurgens said something nice about it. So uh, anyway, he wrote, thanks for the kind words, guys. I was just drawing how I was feeling. Firestorm deserved a better chance than he was given. Shag, hang in there. You've been a champion of the book from the beginning. Your enthusiasm was contagious. I'm sure you'll be as equally crushed. I'm sure you feel as equally crushed right now. Dan, meaning Dan Jurgens, thank you, thank you, thank you for delivering such a fun book. It reminded me why I fell in love with superheroes to begin with. I think, yeah, I think Dan Jurgens' comment was something like, if only I hadn't already drawn the yeah, cover. Yeah, no, isn't that great? Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Luke sent us another email on the Power Records episode. Rob, Power Records are the bomb diggity. It wasn't Woo! until about two months ago that I realized the blog from which I downloaded all my Power Record MP3s five years ago was a Rob Kelly blog. <laughs> Hilarious. I, am, <laughs> I love this episode of the podcast. Power Records are the stimuli for my love of radio drama. I don't know if you've ever listened to any of the DC stories produced by Graphic Audio, but they're pretty entertaining. I uh, hope you're doing well. Thank you, Luke. I don't think I've listened to some of them. I think Graphic Audio was the ones who did the um, Kingdom Come adaptation, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and I've listened to a couple, and Shag provided me uh, some audio tracks from, uh, but the Identity Crisis, Infinite, Infinite Crisis, Crisis, which I still have yet to listen to, but they're sitting on my hard drive, <laughs> so I will get to them eventually. 
It's a it, Infinite Crisis was surprisingly good. It's not that um, I don't think it's I, good. I, it's just you know, it's like I just every time I think I don't have to, I want to listen to more of it than I have time for. You know, it's like I don't want to listen to it in ten minute chunks. But I, I never have like yeah. three hours just to listen. If I had like a three hour chunk, I would be like, all right, I'm gonna listen to a, a bunch of it. But I will get to it eventually. I have a thirty minute commute to and from work, so I listen to a whole lot of audio dramas. I've got like probably close to like I don't know. 200, 250 Doctor Who audio dramas. I mean, it's... So, yeah, the graphic audio... Like, Infinite Crisis... By the way, I, I fully endorse the Infinite Crisis graphic audio play. Like, it's... I'm not... I wasn't a huge fan of the comic Infinite Crisis, but the audio drama is great. It's so good. So, in fact, I want to say Michael Bailey's the one who turned me on. Michael Bailey's a big proponent of graphic audio as well. It's good stuff. So, uh, we heard from our buddy Siskoid. Uh, we're going to cover several of his comments across several different... Uh, episodes we did. He talked about the, uh, the Firestorm cancellation on Lister feedback episode. Someone had written in about how um, Rob and I were like villains of sorts and, and people like Siskoid and Diablo Frank are our henchmen, stuff like that. So he wrote, henchmen? No way, man. Supporting cast? Not even. Most of us have our own books slash blogs, so clearly we're special guest stars crossing over with the fan in the shrine. <laughs> I like that. It's, it's also accurate, I would say. That's right. They're guest stars, not henchmen. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've tried to make it clear that, you know, we don't consider you guys, like, fans of us or fans of the show. You guys are listeners. You're part of the community, not like... Anyway, you're, we're one big group. There, there is no pecking order or anything like that. Except for Rob. He's down a few pegs. Anyway, so uh, I talked about Doctor Who some, and uh, he came back with some comments on that. He said, Doctor Who podcast. No friends to talk about Doctor Who? What a shame. I grew my own fan friends by feeding everyone the new series. It mostly resonates with the girls, I must say. Their interest in the classic series is vague, but they still enjoy talking about it and even um, can stomach watching some of it. Rob and Doctor Who. See, the only serial Rob might be professionally interested in is the underwater menace, which takes place in Atlantis. So that wouldn't make him much of a fan. Trust me, it wouldn't. I've, I've seen the bits of underwater menace. It wouldn't work. But anyway, <laughs> okay. that was Shag's commentary. Ray, <laughs> Ray Palmer. Although, i got to say, Patrick Troughton's amazing, so maybe it would. We made some comments about Ray Palmer on that episode, uh, this is Shag here saying, where we, we knew he was in the in the Shade book, the Frankenstein book, but we weren't really sure if he shrunk or not. So, uh, Siskoid helps us out here. He says, uh, Ray Palmer doesn't exactly shrink, but he's responsible for the shrinking technology that keeps the Shade HQ fitting in a small-sized boot. That is so weird. I think I need to know more about that. Anyway, this is awesome song. That song was awesome, and that's a reference to Luke Dobbs' song. And then you wrote, Fear of Firestorm number 17. What I like is that the whole issue is about fixing things, and the subplot thematically fits the whole, fits the main plot. Yeah, that was a great thing. It was all about putting stuff back together and fixing it. That was great. You want to read the Superpowers oh, yes. one? Sorry, we can go right ahead. Um, we got, a, a, again, another comment about the, from Siskoid about the Superpowers. Uh, thoughts from someone who was a big fan of the Superpowers line, but like Shag, never got his hands on any vehicles or playsets. The Supermobile did show up on the cartoon. I have a strong memory of it. And I think it was like in the comics with the hands in front. Snow Speeder Lexor, I see it in a basic shape kind of way. Two, I don't follow hockey, but my Canadian brain immediately goes to the Pittsburgh team when someone mentions Penguin fans. Everything you guys (laughs) said about Secret Wars and Superpowers mirrors my own opinion almost perfectly. Sadly, I never got any love from those Canadian tie-ins. Small towns, eh? If Aquaman had come with tiny goggles and flippers, then he could have brought a friend along on his underwater adventures. Just stick the accessories on Batman, and he can jump into the family's aquarium, too. And that's it. Nice, offbeat episode. I didn't even see the time pass. Thank you. 
Yeah, Appreciate that, Cisco. Then we get into the April Fool's joke. So this is the one about Vibe with the April Fool's Day joke. He goes, so you're not going to keep doing the Fire and Water Vibe episodes? Have I just been amalgamated with Frank? Is there a Malcolm episode of Fire and Water on the way? Uh, so, yeah, I, I amalgamated Siskoid and Frank into uh, Frank Siskoid for that one. So now I'm going to take your reviews as given, despite the date that they're aired on, and say that I'm far less forgiving of the JLA than you are. I truly dislike Finch's art, and the first issue was just a terrible string of conversations as Johns brings the same narrative strategy to this book used in Justice League, i.e., tell but don't show. Plus, I dislike the trend of making superhero teams subservient to the government. This the only redeeming feature I found was Vibe, and that speaks volumes. So yes, Vibe is the better book. I like it when Johns gets aspirational. Oh, I mean, okay, he's aspiring to something. Okay, I loved his Superboy stories in Adventure Comics, for example. And on that basis, there's some chance of Vibe becoming the new Fury of Firestorm in tone and purpose. Don't say that. I just dropped it. I don't need to pick it back up again, Siskoid. It connects to the JLA rather tightly, but still remains an innocent spirit. Not sure how solid its premise is. Vibe's powers are pretty nebulous, for example. But I'm sticking with it for now. I dropped Katana after two issues, though. It's just not doing it for me. And I tried really hard. Uh, we got it. Oh, I'm sorry. This one... Go ahead. No, so okay. this one's for you, buddy. He, uh, in referring to uh, my comment about the rounded panel borders in Super Friends, he said, are the Super Friends rounded borders supposed to make the comics more friendly or to simulate the TV frame? I bet a little bit of both. Uh, and I provided yeah. a link for a Hembeck strip. Uh, back in the 70s, where he even go- goofs uh, about Aquaman and Wonder Woman appearing in the strip in, like, the first two panels, and he's like, hey, we're in a Super Friends strip now. You know how you can tell? Because the panel borders are rounded. So I bet you that it is, it's both things. It made things look a little friendlier, a little more kid-friendly, but then also does replicate the TV screen. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, by the way, you should check out Siskoid's blog at Geekery, which is uh, just an amazing site. Siskoid, uh, and all of his hobbies are awesome because they're all the same as mine. So... <laughs> Uh, i got a series of comments here coming up next from Luke Giaconetti. And uh, i got to give a plug real quick. Luke and I just recorded and uh, posted up on Two True Freaks. We did a podcast together. It was a special episode featuring Doctor Who versus Ultraman. Both are insanely popular shows that are imported to the United States and have a lot more parallels than you would think. So check out Two True Freaks, and you'll find that out there. It's the Doctor Who and Ultraman podcast. So it was fun. It was a one-shot, but we had a good time. So uh, He left us some comments over here about Firestorm's cancellation. He said, the solicits up now for the last issue of Firestorm as well as Savage Hawkman. What a long, strange trip it has been. Onward and upwards to the various Justice Leagues, I say. Yeah, Luke runs the Hawkman blog, we should say, by the way. So uh, both he and I took a sucker punch right there. We thought we were going to keep going, and both Firestorm and Hawkman were canceled on the same day. So, Ouch. <laughs> he left some comments about the Superpowers episode. He goes, so happy to finally get a chance to hear another episode of the Superpowers collection. I remember asking my dad for the Supermobile one time, well, it's Sears or Caldor or something like that. My father's response was to look at the box and question out loud, why does Superman need a plane? He's Superman. <laughs> I couldn't argue with that logic and ended up not getting it and never asked <laughs> I like the idea yet. of a parent not buying you a toy because it doesn't make any logical sense. I think that's great. Right. <laughs> By the way, uh, uh, Kaldor, to... wasn't he uh, part of the uh, New God? Uh, no, I think he's one of the heroes oh, okay. of Lalor. Right. So. Anyway. And I hate to agree with Rob, not really. But yeah, the Lexor 7 really does look like a snow That's spear. three. I really wish I'd read I wish I'd read, read that last sentence with a lot less enthusiasm. <laughs> um, Justice Jogger, as an 80s superhero, his psychic must have been aerobics lass. <laughs> 
The Toy Biz lit Riddler did not have an action gimmick, which was unfortunate. He came with a sheet of paper with riddles on it. Lame. I still have my Toy Biz Riddler, as well as Penguin. A stupid purchase, considering that my brother had a Super Bowers Penguin, and Super Two-Face was oh actually kind of neat. I think Luke and uh, Jack are going to square off here. They might. They just might. The Toy Biz looks Luke. Well, I don't know. I mean, the fact is, um, he had... Two penguins. So, I mean, he's actually right in the <laughs> Regardless of his comments, he was supporting the I'm product. I'm saying I bet Jack anyway. heard penguin stupid purchase and then just flew off into a rage. He didn't listen to the rest of the sentence. They had to pull him off the sales floor <laughs> of J.C. So. The Toy Biz Lex Luthor's action punch feature was – he's getting, he's really going to regret sharing that very personal comment that is now just a punchline for me. I'm sorry. I apologize, Jack. <laughs> All right. The Toy Biz Lex Luthor's action punch feature was designed in such a way that he always punched himself in the head. It's almost as if he was doing a head slap for letting Superman beat him for 70 years or whatever. And regarding the Lex Horse 7, I guess the best way to say it looks like the snooze. Looks like. Will you get off the snooze? <laughs> I love this Lex mentioned it twice in one message. Ah, he says, I guess the best way to say is it looks like a snow speeder which got shrunk in the dryer. <laughs> I also thought there were hundreds of episodes of Super Friends because my father used to tape that show, along with Spider-Man and his amazing friends, on a tape, and my brother and I would watch them over and over. So, yeah, right there with you guys I on guess, that one. I guess, uh, uh, I guess Luke's dad thought that that show made sense. Well, because the Supermobile wasn't in it. <laughs> Galactic Guardians was a very good show. I have fond memories of the Brainiac episode where the robotic Brainy first appeared and spoke like a computer. Very cool as a kid. That and the bit from the opening where Cyborg walks across the frame, attaches his sonic cannon to his arm, are my fondest memories of that era. Rob, at least Aquaman appears in Galactic Guardians. I'm pretty sure Hawkman did not even appear at all, except on the title card. Ironically, Hawkman and Aquaman stand next to each other on that title card. Uh, I thought Hawkman swooped in and grabbed a seat of doom also in the first episode. I don't know. I love the whole retrospective on Super Friends, but you can skip the Marvin. Or I love the whole retrospective idea of doing on Super Friends, but you can skip the Marvin and Wendy debacle. <laughs> Are you kidding no, me? We, we would absolutely cover absolutely. Marvin and Wendy. And just for the record, Hector, this one's for you, and I mean it. Wendy's hot. She is. So child, you're you're talking talking about a child. We don't know that. She didn't flash a, an they're, ID or anything. Oh, I clearly like 14. I like to, no, I like to think she's 18. And we're just going to leave Yeah, that, that, that's so. how the law works. Anyway, so uh, during the – there was a so for you folks at home. So during the Fire and Water April Fool's Day joke about Vibe, during the mashup of names, one of them was I took Heath <laughs> G. Baker and Luke Giaconetti, who, by the way, are best of friends. Um, I took <laughs> – that was intentional, boys. Anyway, I took – Names and mash them together to Keith Jack and Eddie. Sorry. There's a joke there's a joke what? coming in Keith's email that I'm just laughing at him. Okay. Just get so to Keith, it. Already. Will you just let me explain? He writes as Keith G. Jacanetti and really goes for it with the whole You have lost it. We have lost Rob for the night. Anyway, really goes for it with the whole April Fool's Day joke. He goes, Really guys, you're hanging you're hanging on with the Mariachi dubstep mashup. Really? Beyond that, though, great episode. I really like both Justice League of America number one Here and Vibe number one. For JLA, I got the South Carolina, <laughs> I got the South Carolina flag cover. Of course, the South Carolina flag is the absolute best of all the state flags. So there, I think, <laughs> I think New Jersey state flag. <laughs> I think New Jersey. I can't say it. I think New Jersey state flag has an image of a toll booth on it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I liked yours about a really tan girl. I thought that was oh, great, God. too. Florida's had a hanging chad, by the, the way. The, remind, anyway. the reason I laugh so hard at that is it reminds me of an old George Carlin bit where he talks about New Jersey. Because uh, our, yeah. our, our state fly, our license plate motto is Garden State. And he says, yeah, yeah. you're growing smokestacks. Yes. And then he says, uh, and he talks about, you can't, he says, talks about how many toll booths there are in New Jersey. And he says, you can't back out of your driveway in New Jersey without some schmuck in a hat wants 50 cents. <laughs> so I don't know if Keith was channeling that bit or came up with it on his own, but that is completely accurate, Keith. <laughs> it's a completely accurate <laughs> knock on New Jersey. <laughs> All right, well, back to his letter here. Vibe, Bob, Vibe being able to detect when people move from dimension to dimension is simply a breakthrough of concept, which makes perfect sense. It's one of those head-slapper moments where you say, why did I think of that? And I agree with that. As far as what is going on with Hawkman, the mystery of why he's acting so cold or something has been discussed over on being Carter Hall. It's very different. <clears throat> it's very different from how he's behaved. I'm... I've, I guess I'm still dealing with the sickness that's killing me. It's very different from how he behaved in his own book, so I'm wondering what John's is up to. Hawkman versus Hawkman would be one heck of a, a throwdown here in the New 52, and I'm with Rob on that one. I'm not a big on heroes fighting, but those two would be a showdown of ages. And of course you didn't get to Katana. You didn't give Katana a chance. It's part of you guys' larger anti-outsiders, pro-Justice League Detroit agenda, which, you've been, which you two have been for pushing for months. Never mind the pile of empirical evidence clearly demonstrating the fact that Outsiders was the superior title in all respects. So, of course, you can't see the forest for the trees. And, of course, no mention of the fact that Katana also got her ongoing book this month. Of course. Actually, I did mention the Katana book and said I don't see why anybody would buy it. But anyway. So I continue with this. And I say, look here, pile. You've been on our case about this pro-anti-outsiders kick for months. You and I both know that you're dancing around the elephant in the room. You're still ticked off that we snubbed Steel in our previous episode covering Dale Gunn and the Haywood clan. I realize you used the corpse of Steel as part of your blog logo. However, it doesn't make him a good character. In Vibe versus Katana, really, no contest. We all know Katana will fold within 12 issues, whereas Vibe has already been pre-approved <laughs> for over 100 plus issues by Dan DiDio himself. So keep shaking. So he came back with, Shag, well, excuse me, but you left out one-third of the Hayward clan in your episode about the Hayward clan. That's just plain lazy. I'm sorry, but the excuse of my cat used a copy of Justice League of America number 260 to exercise her claws is utter bullflop. Because, one, everyone knows that cats naturally prefer Baxter paper when exercising their claws. And, two, your cat is declawed to begin with. I'd also like to point out that you, yes, specifically you, signaled out Black Lightning in the breakdancing episode, calling him, and I quote, a superhero with absolutely no rhythm who's clearly an embarrassment to his community. And that implied the fact that he couldn't dance is why he wore a mask in the first place. Besides betraying your complete lack of understanding of history of breakdancing, Jefferson created it in 1977 for crying out loud. The seminal breakdance movie Breaking was just released, wasn't released until 1984. It's just further evidence of your frothing blind hatred of the outsiders. Admitting you have a problem is the first step, Shag. So, dude, that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. You're awesome. You totally got the April Fool's Day joke. You were all over it. In fact, he, he it's kind of funny. He left comments on my blog like the next week, but this, my blog remembered him as Keith G. Giaconetti rather than Luke Giaconetti. So he's still posting his Keith Giaconetti. And then he posted another comment later on going like, Keith, get off my computer. So as if it was a separate person. It was kind of cute. So, all right. I, I would like to cover something real quick here um, that I take a lot of personal um, things here. It's, it's what I like to call the dickish Facebook conversation that occurred on the day that Firestorm was announced as cancellation. 
a certain Robert J. Kelly on Facebook posted this statement. said, okay, folks, time to play the match game. The Blank and Water Podcast. And then he said, too soon? <laughs> so we're going to do a little playlet here. So, so Shag, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you, yeah, you, why don't you play here. the other people and I'll play myself. Okay. Uh, J. David Weeder came back with, that's cold. Just trying to think ahead. As an Aquaman fan, I know the pain of cancellation all too well. J. David Weeder said, true, very true. Daniel Cynical Adams came back with, does Blue Devil have a book yet? <laughs> J. David Weeder said, that was canceled too. Uh, Daniel Cynical Adams, poor Shag. Hey, what about Captain Marvel? I, Daredevil? Thank, oh, hold on. Thanks thanks again, Daniel. Dick. <laughs> Sorry, Daredevil? John M. Wilson said, Fate? Clearly, uh, by the way, this is Shag again. All my friends clearly know the books I like, <laughs> the characters I like. Uh, none of Shag's other DC favorites have their own books. Corey Hodgson said, I say as long as Firestorm's in the Justice League, we keep the fire and water name. There's still lots of Firestorm to talk about. We're not changing the name. We're the Cougar Town of Podcasts. Uh, Mike Gillis, who was just cluing into the fact that uh, Firestorm was canceled, said, oh, crap, did that really happen? Yep. A pain no Batman fan will ever know. Has, Batman, has a Batman comic ever been canceled due to sales? I can't think of an example. Does, this is still Mike Gillis. Does Gotham Central was count? Batman in that book? Uh, Mike Billis, Gillis came back and said, not really. He was just part of the ambiance of Gotham City. It was mostly about the cops. John Godwin uh, came back with sanitation. doesn't count then, I'd say. I think you have to go back to Batman Family in the early 80s for a comic Bats regularly appeared in that was canceled and not immediately replaced by another Bat book. John Godwin then came back and said, very prophetically, by the way, vibration and water, vibe. Do we dare? And what will we do in two months when that's canceled? <laughs> uh, Lee Novak by the way, thank you for this, Lee, wrote, As a diehard Firestorm fan, I won't lie. Yeah, it's a little too soon. And then I came back myself and just wrote, I was pretty upset that day. I just came back and wrote, too soon. Mike Gillis came back, if you had a chance to name, if you, if you I can't even say it with a straight face. Said, if you changed change, to, he means the name. Change. I know, but I can't say it because it's so funny. Because if you change the name to Vibe, write it in pencil. <laughs> Aaron Bias said, I'm on deck for a Phantom and Water no, Aaron, podcast. that's not going to happen. <laughs> Little uh, Russell Burbage from Poughkeepsie said, uh, how about Fire D? Then you can use, Fired, get it? Then you can use any character you want besides the big three who have ever lost their own series. And uh, Keith G. Baker said, anything other than Fire would be criminal. <laughs> and we totally agree with you, Keith G. Baker. Uh, absolutely. Now, um, folks, we had a, a little bit of an interruption in service where we had some problems, had to stop recording for a minute there, and Rob and I had a side conversation, which I wish you guys had heard, which basically equi- uh, is the essential equivalent of, we're at like the three-hour mark right now. We're, we're, this is a monstrous podcast, and we're not even halfway through the listener feedback, and it's all awesome. It's so good. You guys are so amazing. And I don't want to cut it, and neither does Rob. We don't want to start going, you know what, let's just cut this and this to, to, to get this through quicker. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to stop here. So if you haven't heard your name yet and you've made comments, I promise you're coming. You're going to be in the next one. You'll be in the next Fire and Water podcast. We will do uh, – the next time we do the Fire and Water podcast, we will do listener feedback. Yeah, and we also want so, to mention that it's not just that, uh, that the show is going to be like getting close to three hours that we're concerned about. It's the fact that as Shag and I are recording this, it's almost two in the morning. So we really do have to wrap it up. And like Shag said, we don't want to cut any of this because we really are enjoying reading this. This is like a particularly fun batch of feedback, and we don't like that we have to keep cutting it for time. So we're just going to just let it have its own space and, and do a part two. 
I haven't even told you this, Robbie. I have to be like up in six hours to record a Doctor Who podcast. So yeah, <laughs> I need to go to bed. Of course, that's, that's perfect. So yeah, so we're gonna wrap this up here. This has been you know super fantastic. We really enjoyed this, uh, and we enjoyed it. We're just gonna right into episode fifty with more listener feedback. So come back for that. Uh, I'm not sure what else we're gonna cover. We'll worry. Oh my gosh, the next episode one's episode fifty. The big, the big five. So um, I'm not even sure what else we're going to cover for that one yet, but we'll figure it out as time goes. But we both need to get some sleep. So uh, we hope you guys <laughs> enjoyed this very much. We enjoyed, certainly enjoyed the uh, reading it out loud. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. I think I think this definitely um, has the meets the definition of an offbeat uh, episode, without absolutely. a doubt. Absolutely. I might even suggest, and Shag, you might not agree with him, just saying this live, maybe we shouldn't even, like, maybe you guys should hold off on the feedback <laughs> this episode <laughs> and wait until we do part two and then because that way we can you know we're, we're trying to hold back the tide here so maybe it's a good thing I, I don't know I hate to ever say don't give us feedback I totally okay. disagree All right. let okay. it roll folks right. it, now, it, it may not make it into the next episode but we will catch up and get okay. you in it You're again the, don't Jack's worry. the one who has to collect it so uh, I, I defer to him in this situation if you got something to say folks okay. I want to hear and, it because I, because that's what this whole right. podcast is about. I share with you guys. I mean, it, Rob, just to let you guys know, I, I've said it before. I compiled the stuff into a Word document so Rob and I can go through it. This one that we're going through is 26 pages, <laughs> and we haven't got halfway through it. Yeah. Yet. Uh, so anyway, so if you're going to email us, you can email firewaterpodcast.net. You can follow our Tumblr at fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com, and of course, you can leave comments on aquamantrine.com and firestormfan.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at the same names. You can find Firestorm Fan over on Google+. You can also find Firestorm Fan on Tumblr. Absolutely. So, uh, again, thanks, everybody. We hope you really enjoyed the completely randomness of this episode. And uh, it's going to continue <laughs> in episode 50. And, again, thanks so much for all this feedback. It's really tremendous. We really, really enjoy it. As much as it is sort of daunting to go through, it's, it's very rewarding to see how much you guys enjoy the show. We really, we really love it. So, so thanks very much. And, and, and your, your opinions yep. mean so much. And I love it when you guys interact with each other and you start razzing on each other. Like we razz on everybody and it's, it's a blast. Again, the single best podcasting community anywhere. Hands down. You guys think, are awesome. Way to go. New, way to go. New I, agree. I think we're only a couple of years away from the first fire water podcast convention, to be honest with you. I think, I think that's a, think That'd that's be a awesome. couple of years out. Well, the, the only downside, I mean, I don't know how many people could come because, you know, all these people live in their parents' basements. I don't think it'd afford. <laughs> and we're out. Mic drop. <laughs> Do a mic drop. Ba-doo. Fan the flame so. and ride the wave, guys. Fan the flame and ride the wave, so. <laughs> Take one last drink. All right, guys. We'll see you in uh, seven short days. Bye. Bye. So. <laughs> Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super fair. Aquaman. We're friends forever. Yeah! Talking about toll booths and paying your way. I grew up in this area, and I think anyone who's driven in this area would have to agree with one thing. New Jersey deserves the title Toll Booth Capital of the United States of America. (laughs) 
you know, because you can't back out of your driveway in New Jersey without some schmuck in a hat wants 50 cents.